and welcome to Rewind Reviews, a podcast where we review things that you could rewind because back in the day they were old enough to be released on VHS. Oh, I get it now. Mm. <laughs> Five that's seasons our, in. That, that's why our logo is a VHS tape, isn't it? Uh-huh. I get it. You it's all coming it. together. That was a good decision. Yeah. Well, at least one of us thinks of branding around here, Chris. <laughs> nothing but Static Empire only lives on its branding. There was something, not that obviously, but there was something the other day. Oh, what was it? I'll see if I can remember. Where I was like, oh, is this this for this reason? And someone was just like, how the fuck have you only just worked that out? And I was like, oh, my bad. But I can't remember what it was now. So. Great story. Not a good story. <laughs> <laughs> not my best. Not my best anecdote. There's a thing that I can't remember. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Good oh, let's talk Indiana Jones, Dan. You 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 picked this one. Um, I, I have little to no experience with this film and franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, to cover me off quickly, I watched this film for a media studies assignment uh, and enjoyed it. Um, thought it was good. Review, mm-hmm. You know, did some did some analysis afterwards. Um, it was kind of a classic media studies A level. Was very much a, here's a scene, here's a here's a film, and dissect the 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 music the the uh you know the sound the the um the, what's on screen the performances did it yeah. i found it very i found it very i found it oddly relaxing dan i, I must admit i you know i don't i don't want to brag i mean i'm gonna sound like for new listeners i'm coming across like a right twat here but um there was an exam where i did i did well i found it very methodical media studies you just had to remember the shit you had to analyze which i suppose actually is uh True of all exams, but I guess I just didn't give a fuck about science. Um, whereas five minute clips of the Pirates of the Caribbean, which was the actual exam, I uh, I'm, I'm all I'm all there for, my friend. Uh, anyway, give me. But so that was my history. I don't I don't remember them. I I remembered re- really distinctive beats of the movie. I remembered he was right. you know he was a college professor and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I remember enjoying it. But I didn't necessarily i didn't explore further i should have i think if i'd have just watched it to watch it i would have um because you mm. know this experience has made me made me hungry for the other films but what's your you got more history with the film what's your what's your history well this is it's interesting on this one because this is just sort of one of those films that was sort of always there like i don't remember mm. specifically the first time i saw it it was i you know it was a, it was a it was a in the UK we have a, we have a terrestrial television channel called ITV um, that seemed to have the rights to air this movie every Saturday for six years. That's how it feels in my head. They probably didn't. I assume like once or twice a year they ran the trilogy across a few weekends or whatever. Um, but it was it just feels like it was always accessible to me that way. Um, and I remember. I mean, I would have only been. This is before we moved to Ireland, so I would have been, you know, six or seven. I just, I, I just remember literally, like, you know, Saturday afternoon viewing sort of thing. You know, um, it was what was on. Um, I, I think the first time I watched it, though, I think I might have come in midway. I don't think I, I saw it from the beginning. I feel like I came into one of these halfway through the first time I saw an Indiana Jones movie. But I just remember being so blown away that it that I would just, you know, every time they were on after, watch them in their entirety. I don't think I understood the that there was an order. 
when I watched them as a kid because they're, they're they're quite isolated adventures. These, so I don't think it was the longest time until I knew what order these films were actually supposed to be viewed in, all that they were made in. Um, they were just the Indiana I had to Jones check movies. So many, I I checked so many times when watching this. Like I am watching the right one, aren't I? Yeah, okay, cool. Raiders, <laughs> right? Nice, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. There is a there is an element of that. Um, yeah. So it's it's Raiders Temple Last Crusade. That's the order. Mm. Um, and we should clarify. I'm 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 you know. Uh, not we're probably not going to do well. We're not gonna, we're not going to do Kingdom because I think we do it. You know, classic trilogy. We do that every series of these podcasts. So I think. Yeah, I remember we had the, we had this debate slightly when Indiana Jones was first floated. I was like, should we do all four though? And you were like, nah, the fours four came a long time after and is fucking appalling. So we're just yeah. doing we're just it's doing the you. the actual trilogy. You know what's what's <laughs> funny actually is like. I do wonder about that film and like how it would hold up to a, to a slightly like less critical day because I that, I saw that movie in my most f- angry film nerd era. You know what I mean? Like when I, you know that that sort of snotty like dismissive sort of I know better sort of years that I think every sort of person who like wants to get into creative medium ends up going through. You know, and they get overly critical of you know of the work being put out because probably just because they're bitter they've not got a job in the industry yet you know what i mean like i feel like i saw that movie at, a, at an unfortunate time and i'm sure I, I i i remember it enough to know it is it is flawed but i i wonder how it holds up but anyway um because yeah, i know of a lot of a lot of the i remember a lot of the criticism of the film because you know you know sometimes by osmosis, especially if you watch a lot of mm. movie movie content um movie panel sort of content on on youtube or whatever i remember a big a big criticism that's lev- levied at it is you know aliens and it's kind of like yes you know i watch this film and i go there's a lot of fantasy like embedded yeah Yeah. you know admittedly fantasy embedded in wider mythology and in this case religious mythology but fundamentally you know the end of this film is not is not exactly (laughs) like grounded in reality or at least reality is as it seems like do you know what i mean like aliens doesn't feel it feels quite logical to me to it's even hinted at in this like yeah. I, I i yeah i i never had that problem i i do remember that people saying that criticism i never understood it i'm like have you not seen the other movies like almost, i think they pretty much exclusively always end on some sort of sort of supernatural otherworldly element you know that, that can't be explained necessarily supernatural that's the that's the word i was looking for. yeah like it's it's you know so I, yeah no aliens never bothered me and as soon as it was they said it was called the kingdom of the crystal skull i thought people would think of that but anyway um so yeah so i don't remember exactly ever having to sit down and watch this movie but my history with it is just simply you know growing up loving this franchise i will say it pushed to the side somewhat by star wars as i got older and I would say, the, you know, I've not rewatched these films as religiously, you know, um, over the years. Um, still have fond memories of watching them, still have a nostalgia for them. But it's, you know, that I do per- I have a personal preference towards sort of science fiction than these sorts of like period piece, sort of, you know, uh, action adventure films. Um, so I haven't gone back to these as often as much as I enjoyed watching them as a kid. Um, but you know, they're they're you know, they're, I always thought they were just sort of deeply you know deeply charming, lots of fun adventure movies, just real good watches. And I and you know, I I think because were they all out by the time I was like old enough to be watching them? I'm trying to think what year they will have been. Yeah, right? they must have been. Yeah. When was Last Crusade? Let me just check the date on Last Crusade. 
89 yeah because i was i was 87 so it was so yeah yeah so so yeah so i will i will have that to me they're all one movie i know they're not but like i really do i don't have um too much memory of like being like oh i prefer you know temple to last crusade or you know raiders over you know so it'll be interesting to watch them with a more critical eye this time around to sort of see if i do have any real thoughts on you know, if any are better than the others. Um, but yeah, I've, so I've not rewatched them in a long time, so this was a real blast for me. I remember this one a lot more f- specifically, though. I, 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 it'll be interesting to see this, because as I watch this movie, I'm like, these are all of the iconic scenes that I remember from Indiana Jones. Yeah, <laughs> like, do, they're all I in do this remember, movie. I do remember when I watched it for the first time, like, for the media studies thing, when it starts with that ball sequence, which yes. is obviously yeah, such yeah. a part of pop culture, mm-hmm. I do remember distinctively going... Oh, we're here early. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, swapping the, that golden <laughs> idol at the beginning for the bag of sand. Like, yeah. you know, the, 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 the ending of the movie, uh, slight spoilers for the, the Nazis' faces melting off, which, you know. <laughs> um, you know, all of that stuff is really iconic. And, like, when I think of Indiana Jones, I think of, you know, the, the, the swordsman that he just shoots the plane the death with the plane like that's all like the stuff that comes to my mind first when i think of indiana jones and it's all in this one and part of me's going oh damn do the other ones just not have anything like as iconic as that in them um so that'll be very interesting unless there's stuff i've forgotten about but um yeah all of the imagery that would come to my brain when i first think of indiana jones is all from this one so i guess i should have known which one was the first one really <laughs> um but yeah um had it yeah that that's kind of my history with it, just just being a just a sort of very general, I, I guess casual fan is probably the word. I've never been as passionate on this franchise as like, you know, Back to the Future, Star Wars, things like that. But I've always really enjoyed them, and I've always watched them when I've had the opportunity to do so. So yeah, um, good time. So what so are we, are we, do we do? We do do we do we start with general overviews? Or how did you? Yeah, yeah. How did you yeah, feel it? Because uh, it's so it's, as someone who only ever analyzed it. For a class being forced to, I must. I, it's got to have been a joy just to sit down and actually just watch it as a film and as a piece of entertainment and be entertained by it rather than looking at it analytically. Or is it because yeah, you were doing then, this podcast was that slightly spoiled? Yeah, I mean, I know, I know, we make a lot of jokes, but there's a distinct lack of faith in uh, in my commitment to this podcast. There, isn't it? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it must have been nice, Chris, to just watch it with no pressure because, you know, who gives a fuck about the fact that you've got to review it the next day, eh? <laughs> based on based on your analysis of all the other films we've ever reviewed, I assume you forget most of the time we're doing a podcast. <laughs> um I uh No, it was a it was a, because I think to some degree it's a bit like Men in Black, like you just go, This is a fun roller coaster mm-hmm. and you know, if the podcast is a bit shorter, fine. <laughs> and I don't I'm not necessarily you know, Men in Black at the end was our our usual length. But um and I imagine there's quite a lot of trip. Um I I th- I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um it's it's odd because it's not that sort of um Um but it's not like it's. Uh, I don't know if I'm. So, I, so I the as long term listeners to our entire franchise of uh, of podcasts. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll to, to quote to continue that wanky brand theme from Dan earlier. Um, we'll know like uh, fantical kind of historical is often something that isn't isn't a big go to for me. You know. Mm-hmm. I, felt that way about game of thrones etc and i'm not i'm not comparing this to game of thrones but in terms of a uh, 
maybe I watching this, I'm like, oh, maybe it's kind of historical. Like, I'll be honest with you, with Doctor Who, the historicals are the episodes I'm drawn to least, like, apart mm-hmm. from The Unicorn and the Wasp, which is my favourite. But that's, you know, a fairly modern historical and is and is a murder mystery, which is a genre I do really am drawn to. So I think, you know, sitting down to watch it, it's kind of like, oh, this isn't necessarily, maybe, you know, that's part of why I've not rushed out to watch these although they have been on my you know they and jurassic indiana jones and jurassic park are the two big ones sort of on my radar of i must i must catch up i must you know watch those movies through i'd only i've only seen the first film of both franchises um but so i'm kind of watching it with a i know this is going to be a great film but whether i personally come away going i loved it for these reasons or whether i'm going to come away and go yeah no i get it it's a fantastic film like cool um and it's sort of a a combination of the two really um i it's just like like men in black last week it's just an absolutely riotous fun roller coaster Mm -hmm. but more than more than men in black uh, like which you know we had very little criticisms of men in black but i think indiana jones what you're so taken aback by is how much every fucking element and decision has been thought through the script the music i mean jesus it's it's probably got to be the best or this if not one of the best scores of any film we've reviewed on here mm-hmm. um the way they work in tandem with each other nothing is wasted no character even the even the b characters like the like the agents feel incredibly rounded and like detailed like there's a moment where one of them interrupts the other one and the other one shoots him a look and it's such a small inconsequential moment but someone made the decision to make those two guys feel like they spend every fucking day together doing this (laughs) shit like someone someone made that decision you know whether the script direction i mean i, I presume it was in the script because it's dialogue they're interrupting but do you know what i mean the performers and i and we're talking about like less than 2 seconds of film but that level of thought has kind of gone across the entire movie um the 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 journey indie goes on is fascinating and i think we'll talk more about that with the spoiler talk because i think that's so yeah, integrate integrated with the film's one of the most common criticisms laid at this film, um, thanks to Big Bang Theory, which we will talk about in in the spoilers talk. Uh, thanks to it. the dumbest fucking show making the dumbest point that's not true. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. On I can't wait. I can't wait to to dig into the Big it. Bang Theory. Has um, a lot to fucking answer for. Honestly, if I, sometimes I think like if I had the power to wipe a show off the face of the earth, just erase it from history. I'd choose Big Bang Theory without even thinking about it, I think. Oh, I don't think I would. I don't think I would for that. I, I think, think I gladly would. <laughs> there's, there's shows that have... And you were a fan for the first five seasons. Like, we no. No, 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 no. Let's not rewrite history. I watched the first season and a half, maybe two, because we were watching it together at uni, and I distinctly remember saying, even at the time, I don't know if I'd keep watching this if we weren't watching it at uni as a group. I, my memory was, of it i didn't get that, i didn't I, get a lot out of it i, I it was funny I it was, there was some good jokes but i hate i didn't care for the characters i didn't like the setup um i didn't like this was, fucking faux nerd thing we could probably work out when you stopped because i remember distinctively there was an episode 
where basically they came, the two shows came back and we'd very, we, you and I were on the same side of often that how I met your mother versus the big bang theory would be debated amongst our group at uni. And you and I were very much on the side of how I met your mother. And we're like, no, it's so much more. It's, you know, such a better show. And then there was an episode, the episode where they return from the big, like explorative thing they've done. And then Penny and Leonard kiss. And I remember even we were like, Oh, it was an opening to the season that was stronger than how I met your mother. So, but I don't think you then kept watching big bang all that season but we were definitely still watching at that point. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, with like, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, that that made the sort of discussion about the ending of this film quite uh, prevalent, and we will talk about that in spoilers. Um, and I think Indy's character arc is directly linked to that. But sufficient to say, I think you know the, what the film is actually about is Indiana Jones, um, and it explores that character beautifully. Um, and I think the yeah it's it's it, it, again you know we have another for me it's back to the future diehard territory of uh, you know other than a fucking really uncomfortable insinuation which again we'll talk about later but that yep. is you know this film this film is you know the nitpickiest of nitty picks it's it's it is you know it is up there with back to the future and um Die Hard for me, and I know RoboCop for you as as filming like a as feeling like you know as as near to a perfect film as you can get. Um, mm. Yeah, I had a I had a great time. What did you What did you feel? Yeah, very similar. I mean, I I make a lot of notes during the um, during the you know the watching of these movies, which you know I, I often find sometimes a judge of the movie is whether I take a lot of notes detailed or not, because sometimes what happens, Chris is I just get a bit sucked in and then I don't really make a lot of notes. And what ends up happening is like, like, I'll, like you know, 30 minutes will pass and I'll be like, oh shit, yeah. And I'll pause and I'll write down some thoughts about the last 30 minutes. Whereas there are sometimes there are films where I'm literally just like making notes throughout, you know, every couple of like scenes. I'm like, oh, I've ever thought about that. I've ever thought about that. And it's mostly just to make sure, I just, you know, I don't forget anything. Um, it's also like to help us like you know sometimes it helps me i should say um find like details if i'm trying to think of an example of something i'm criticizing or praising the movie for and i've written down a scene that either annoyed me or i enjoyed doing that thing then i have the uh, i've written a note about it basically um i have like a i have less than a handful of notes for this i i I wrote very little on in my thing because it is it's such um a well-paced film it has got that men in black thing of the movie just rolls like it just rolls like it just has momentum like it never really slows down it never really stops it's fun and entertaining all of the time even when the movie does literally stop to have like character moments and beats like um like after the 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 arc is recovered originally you know the 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 marion and and indie scene where he's injured you know the where does it hurt scene you know even that doesn't feel like it slows down the movie at all in the slightest. You know, it's it's it just, and it's always um, it's that South Park thing. The the, the 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 Matt Stone and Trey Parker have always talked about how a good story shouldn't be this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens. It should be this happens, therefore this happens, which leads to this. And so so it should always be. You shouldn't be saying and then. You should be saying then because of or leads to like in the in the sense of like each thing should be pushing the next thing and this movie's got a real thrust like it's it's a simple premise it's 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 you know they're out looking for the arc 
Um, but the way that the sequences all flow into each other, it's always like this happens because this happens because the, and then this leads to this happen and then you know therefore this happens. So it just sort of goes on. Uh, and, and I think that just makes it infinitely watchable. Like it's just because it's each individual scene is really entertaining and they're put together in a really good coherent story. There are so many details that my brain just I think washed over me. Like right, okay, I'll give you an example of this. There's a point when I think I have a criticism of the movie, but then I change my mind because I'm thinking, is it possible they set this up and I was just too busy just sort of going with the movie to know? But let me ask you, Chris, you can help me on this one. Did I miss a scene? We'll play a new game. It's called Did Dan Miss a Scene? Or um, is this a legitimate nitpick? Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah. He gets the truck with the with the arc in it, right? And I promise we will do just like whether we recommend it or not and then go into full spoilers afterwards. But he gets the truck with the arc in it, right? At one point in the movie. He's driving the truck. He's been chased by the Nazis. And then there is a... Like a sort of shed to, to hold the vehicle and a bunch of people stood outside of it with like shopping like a like a like a like almost like a oh god words are escaping me this morning aren't they with like a like a market stall type thing and he drives through them into the sort of garagey shed thing and then they all just pull in front of it to make it look like they'd been there the whole time did they know he was coming was that prepared by who? Was there a line earlier in the movie where Indiana Jones is like, and by the way, set this up for me so that when I'm escaping with this truck I don't know I'm getting yet, <laughs> I have a way to get out of here. Do they no, set it up or yeah. am I or am I like nitpicking? No, I don't I definitely yeah, I don't think they set it up. There's sort of an implication throughout the film that just like the locals Everyone are helping there him. there is very much on his side and, and willing right. to help him. But but um, they, they don't know he's coming with the truck to be prepared for that. Not as far as I can remember, no. Okay. <laughs> so that's a nitpick. But my point, my point then is that the movie is so easy breezy to watch. You can have a moment like that. And there's this brief moment of, did I, I just missed something, I guess. Because you don't even want to, you don't even judge the movie for that very obvious <laughs> omission of a setup for a thing. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense, but I just went, I guess I missed something. Like, I, <laughs> I didn't even... So, yeah, this is a really, really fun watch. I, I love this movie. Um, action-adventure films just are, are not made like this anymore, with the exception, I think, and we'll talk about this in more detail later, but I think there's an element of this is actually kind of the blueprint for the Marvel movie. <laughs> I don't want to yeah, put yeah, too I fine a point fair. on that, but it's mix of action and comedy... Um, an adventure with a sort of surly but lovable protagonist i mean i don't think i don't think he's a million miles away from a tony stark he's not exactly no, a tony stark obviously but he's not uh, you know rogue with a you know rogue with a heart of gold sort of thing it's i mean it's a, it's a stereotype it's always been a sort of trope um, an archetype that's what i'm looking for um but Ah, uh, yeah. I feel like I feel like Marvel owe this movie and, and and movies that it inspired quite a lot, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Mm. Especially the comedic sensibility, because the movie is very funny. Yeah, I think they try and like make their characters like you know Indiana Jones is quite quippy, but also quite quite stern and quite cold. Um, you don't get that so much. Um, you know, they're not as uh, grumpy i guess 
<laughs> but yeah, um, I think it's absolutely fair to say, and I think it's obvious that you know we uh, we recommend this movie. Of course, yeah. we do. It's Indiana Jones: Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah, although originally just released as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, really? Was that mm-hmm. added uh, like when they um, start doing sequels? Started mm-hmm. doing sequels, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, I think, as well, I suppose when they first started doing sequels, I don't know how the, what like the home video market was like because obviously it would have when the, by the time the second one came out, I don't know how far into like the the real boom of like VHS use was. But I know that once they re-released it or released it on VHS, it was adjusted to be Indiana Jones and um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but yeah, it's, it's actually just called, which is very annoying, by the way, because a, a, lots of people are very persnickety about this. It seems to me, because um, the amount of times I tried to look up this movie on various websites to get information, and I'd type in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Ark, and it wouldn't come up, and I'd be like, <sighs> delete, 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 delete Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, there it is. Now it's coming up. Bastard. Just put Indiana Jones in the title. It's fine. Fine. Yeah, it's yeah. Fine. Like, actually, know, I think you'll find wreck. it's called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm? <laughs> like the that's like the amount that's like criticizing people that are like, oh, you know, Back to the Future Part One. Well, technically, at that point, it was just Back to the Future. So, mm. um, worth clarifying as well, Chris. I've, I've, I googled it because I was curious. Um, so I, it looks like I watched just the first two seasons of Big Bang Theory, and then the the first episode of season three, and bowed out there. Well, he bowed out literally at the first episode. <laughs> yeah, it looks that way. He must have watched. Well, even though he, do you, like, my memories, we enjoyed episode one. So I find it odd that you'd go, right, I'm done. But fair enough. I can't remember well, maybe I, it was, I can't maybe, remember well, maybe I did get one or two more in. I remember specifically not finishing that season, season three. Mm. Um, yeah, fair enough. I can't, I can't remember well enough to argue, so. Dumb show, nice. stupid people. Should we talk about that? Should we talk about the Big Bang Theory stupidity? God, the writers of this show were fucking bastards, weren't they? They really were. Uh, right, uh, yeah. So the the argument is that Indiana Jones doesn't affect the plot. Oh, well, hold on. So we're going into full spoilers now. Then, obviously. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We recommend the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. spoilers. spoilers. Yeah. The argument is that Indiana Jones doesn't affect the entire plot of the movie, and that it will all played out exactly the same whether he was there or not. This is a deeply stupid point that makes no sense whatsoever, since he is the one who finds the fucking Ark. Can we shut that debate up now? <laughs> I think I think there's still I I no. understand. I'm not defending Big Bang Theory here. I'm defending anyone else that is leveling it as a criticism because uh-huh. I think there's an element of maybe you could, but I mean, and and the steps in order for them to find the Ark without Indy, there's a shit ton of them. Like he leads them to Mariam, who is Mariam, isn't it? That's how you mm-hmm. say her name. He leads them to Mariam, who, which leads them to the thingy with the thingy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that thing's called. But he leads them there, which leads them to find the thing. So, uh, you know, they can't find that without without Indy. They don't find the right the right spot without Indy, because it's Indy that, that does that and works that out and, and finds it for them. Um, here's the reason... You know, without him, it would have wouldn't have been delayed and might have been in a different location earlier. So there's one facet to the argument is Indy absolutely affects this movie. He's the reason they find the arc. 
Um, if someone then wants to go, uh, well, yeah, but even if even you know when they eventually find it, when they opened it, that would that would always happen. Maybe, but you don't. But the ark is then also still lost, so you don't know who's going to stumble across it then, and who's going to try and like observe that or or look at it more. You know, you just don't. You don't know what would have happened thanks to Indy. The ark is no longer lost and is no longer, um, you know, being experimented on and is just sort of locked away in in the U.S. Well, yeah, government's big. Big yeah. vault of, <laughs> of, of weird artifacts. It's no longer out there to be abused. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, Indy, Indy and is that... tasked with locating the Ark. That's his goal. That's the protagonist's goal in the movie. He does that. He achieves yeah, that. He exactly. and, and, and literally, no one would have found it without him. And I, I because they yeah. were they were nowhere. They found the um, the map room. That's as far as they got. But the map room is useless without the uh, artifact that Mariam has. Mar- Marion? Mariam? Marion? With an N. With an N, I think. Yeah, with an N. Marion has it. And the, they would literally have never found it if he hadn't have gone to her. They would have just been sitting there, aimlessly digging in the desert, <laughs> hoping to find the spot, and never doing so. Um, so exactly. Yeah, so it, so it, there's... It's, it's a ridiculous theory. Oh, not theory, but so there's positive. So there's that. He they wouldn't have found it without him. The character arc and the main mission of find it and recover it is complete. And then there's also, I think, the third personally, the third argument, which is it's not what the film's about. <laughs> like the film is literally about Indiana Jones and his his journey. And at the beginning of the film, he is comically dismissive of this supernatural stuff and like even to the point where when they're like so what can the ark do he's like i don't know power of god like like he literally doesn't care he doesn't believe in it and then at the end of the movie he decides to close to close his eyes because he he suddenly you know not suddenly sorry because he has come to accept that there is something in this and he's trying to protect you know the, the the his girl he's trying to protect the the woman mm-hmm. that he loves or could love like that is what the film is about the the nuances in the arc debate aren't uh, is you know it, it's that's missing the or that's maybe not missing maybe ignoring the the point of the movie so i think there are three there's three arguments you can levy at that criticism and the combination of all of them to me make that criticism not not particularly fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I it's not it's it's an insane criticism. And even if that wasn't technically true, like even like even if even if even if you could like there weren't counterpoints, maybe Indy does have literally no effect on the movie. He's still our point of view character for the adventure. Mm. You know, so it's not really a criticism of the movie that he doesn't end up having an effect on the plot. Even if that's true, it's not a valid criticism on its own. Uh, it doesn't really okay. The the protagonist doesn't ultimately have an effect on what happens. Does he still like? He still has a journey, as you pointed out. Like I'm still watching the movie through his perspective. It's still his highs and lows that we're experiencing. Like just because the overall plot like isn't affected by him. It doesn't. It doesn't make that a bad movie. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know what I mean? Change my feelings on the film. So yeah, it does. It, it'd be. It's a strange, strange statement. And again, um, Big Bang Theory has a lot of that And I've got a further update, Chris, for you on the Big Bang Theory. 
and when mm. I dropped out because I had a mem- <laughs> and I had a memory. I You're the a- only one that cares about this at this no, point. No, I'm just. I, I no. I I I I was done. I would have. I was happy to say it was somewhere in season three because we definitely watched that first episode, as you remember. But I couldn't remember after that, and I was pretty sure I dropped out sometime in that year. Um, I, I to be honest, I was like, I probably just watched the first episode and bailed because I'm. I was, you know, I don't remember watching much season three at all. Um, but I've remembered the exact episode, Chris, okay. because I remembered a moment. I remembered the moment I was done. And it was Sheldon popping in and out of the ball pool yelling Bazinga. And I was just like, this isn't funny. Right. This isn't anything. And I remember being so deeply angry at that scene. Um, so I looked it up. Episode 14, season three. There you go. So I watched two and a half seasons of <laughs> Big Bang Theory. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Uh, me and the listeners are, are thrilled we've come to the end of that of that mystery <laughs> that we know. <laughs> Well, the listeners and I. Oh, I hate that uh, show. Anyway, right. Um, That's still more than you originally thought, though, isn't it? Because didn't you originally say like a season, season and a half? So it is. It I is think I said two. I think I said two seasons. Well, because you said five. That was your original guess. I was like, absolutely not. There's yeah, no I've way. Said, I've said. I've said throughout this debate. I. I don't remember it well enough to say for say anything for certain, other than the fact that we watched that first episode of season. Yeah, but three. the first thing you said was you. Uh, I watched five seasons. That was the first thing you said. Because I said I hate it, and you said, "Well, you watched five seasons of it." And I was like, "No, I did not." That's why yeah. I got. And that's then, why I got. Annoyed. And then said, and then said, but I can't remember for sure. Like maybe, maybe five was in my head because I watched five seasons. I don't know or care. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I don't. I don't want anyone to think. Can I watch more than two and a half seasons of this shit? <laughs> got a reputation cool. to hold, uphold, Chris. <laughs> Um, uh, do you want me to try and work out when I stop watching? <laughs> sure, I've got. So I get on the episode, guys. All right, Let's, I'll try and work that out. Carry on. <laughs> um, right. Uh, right. So we got that out of the way. It's dumb. Um, so yeah, I, th- I, do, I think it's an interesting choice about this film. Obviously, they wanted. I feel like, and you can me if you think differently, Chris. But I feel a bit like the creators of this film, the, the creatives that worked on this script and this story very much chose to make it a period piece for no reason other than they wanted the Nazis as villains because then they could just do what they want to them and no one would complain. <laughs> because if these were just a rival treasure hunters and Indy was just killing them and then they all got their faces melted off at the end, you might feel a bit sorry for them. <laughs> but by making them Nazis, they get to be cartoonishly evil, murdered by the hero pretty much indiscriminately, and no one cares. <laughs> that's my theory because it doesn't need to be a period piece otherwise does it what what about this needed to be set in the sort of that era over it being set in the 80s when it was released <laughs> sorry i i'm laughing because i'm now like seeing if i can use netflix to work out when i stopped watching big bang theory um and and there's an episode called i don't according to at least through netflix i didn't watch this season but there's an episode called the raiders minimization which and the thing says after amy ruins one of sheldon's favorite movies he seeks revenge so presumably it's just ironic to me that the first thing i click on shows me the episode that has caused this entire discussion um <laughs> yes uh yeah i suppose you're right yeah um, I, I guess it adds a 
a texture and it adds a um it's a very distinct world um you know and we're not having to fuck about with phones and stuff like that which were becoming a bit more prevalent in 81 um well maybe not so no much i was gonna say phones, i don't even but... think that that has been so i i i don't think this movie but changes I... if you said it in the 80s other than the use of nazis uh, well, there's, there is more technology and there's less like the iconography of, you know, him riding horses and, and the the type of plane and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think the world, I think it would feel, I think it would suffer more than just the Nazi thing. I think it would suffer if you said it in the 80s. Um, but yeah, I do. I, I can see your point of, you know, what are the what are the actual reasons for it being historical? But it's I, I don't know. It's and I, I think the problem is with this movie any form of like question or criticism is answered with yeah but like how much fun is it dad he's got a cowboy hat he's got a whip and he's fighting nazis like do you know what 100%. i mean like, like yeah um but i see your point especially about how if it was just like one guy in a gang would you feel more sorry for the gang but then how often do you do like you know so many films have sort of essentially faceless armies um but I suppose you know in Star Wars they cover their faces. You know, as the stormtroopers, you can't you can't see them in in things like Infinity War. It was you know CGI aliens. So so how often are other than when it's you know historical World War stuff? How often are the henchmen apart from maybe in modern Star Wars? Mm-hmm. How often can we see their faces? How often? You know what I mean? Is it, it, you know, do people often try and find a way if you're going to have a lot of people randomly shot to make it so that they're aliens unseen or or historically, um, uh, you know, difficult to really underplay um, <laughs> the Nazis, which I don't mean to sound like I am, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I, but you, yeah, like a sort of, like his, uh, uh, you know, a villain of history that people will not really yeah, question yeah. being murdered indiscriminately yeah yeah Yeah. i mean and that is what i think is really interesting about this choice and look don't get me wrong i I, you know indiana jones needed like if it was just like a rival treasure hunting group the murder would feel (laughs) excessive especially the plane Mm. the plane the plane murder (laughs) which you know is one of the best and most like subtly gruesome deaths in a movie because you don't see it you just know from the sound and the blood hitting the windshield and <laughs> what's going on. That's a horrible way do you, to die. Do you, as in the guy, the the boxer who's beating him up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so do you know who that is? I do. That is... Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. It was Pat Roach. Yes. Who, who was dies, in Alfreda's own pet. Who was in Alfreda's own pet, but also died twice Every- in this movie. Yeah, and is in, and I believe is in the other movies as well. I cannot wait. One of the things I've been most excited about is tracking Pat Roach in these movies. Oh, that's because obviously I've been, I've been very aware that he was in multiple movies through. It's referenced a lot when yes. you know in we the same books or or documentaries and stuff. So I'm I'm very excited to see that. I believe he's in other movies as well. Yeah, so he's the giant Sherpa left in the burning bar in Nepal, um, and he's obviously the German uh, mechanic chewed up by the plane's propeller so um f- fantastic actor 
um, from Afi the same pet, but also got the physicality. I guess that the physicality comes more from his wrestling skills than his, his acting skills, I guess. Um, but he's used to great effect in this movie. And who else gets to die twice in a movie? <laughs> That's pretty good. Mm. That's pretty good. Yes. Sure. Big fan of Pat Roach. Um, it took me um, a minute to so- realise it was him, though. Yeah, it doesn't look like him at all. I was expecting it to be more obviously Pat Roach, I must admit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was one of those things where like, I, I, I'd kind of known he was in it. I remember when the guy shows up and he's like, okay, I'm looking at him and that's that must be him then. That must be him. And I'm like staring like, I think that was him. And then um, I got to the trivia uh, part of my of the process I do for this. And I was like looking for the trivia specifically around him. And when I found it, it confirmed he was the guy that got chewed up by the propeller. Um, I didn't realize he was the Sherpa that's, that burns up earlier in the movie, though. That was news to me. No, I didn't either. No. Uh, so, yeah, good for Pat Roach. Love Pat Roach. Right. Um, sadly, he passed away. He's he's no longer with us, is he? No, he passed away before the filming of the uh, right. very That's last right. Alpha Weed's Pet episode. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that cast has been ravaged. That's <laughs> awful. <laughs> too many of that yes. cast died too young. Awful, awful, awful. Yes. Um, for sure. Anyway. For sure. So how did we feel then? So we talked about. So I mean, the villain of the movie is 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 the mostly the, it's mostly the Nazis, but there is a other archaeologist on their team, um, a character called Belloc, who is set up quite brilliantly in the opening scene as like a villain. That's his his deal seems to just be following Indiana Jones to wherever he goes, and then taking the thing from him once he's done the hard bit. <laughs> that seems to be Belloc's role in life. Um, it's a fun relationship. I think it played brilliantly. Um, you know, I think I think Paul Freeman does a really good job in the role. Um, do do you feel like a villain like that is necessary? Because you know, you, you know, Indiana Jones himself as a character doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a personal. He has the issues everyone has with the Nazis, but he doesn't have a personal stake in what the Nazis are up to. If that makes sense. Um. Do you think someone like Belloc is necessary to get to, to sort of have Indy have a more direct rival? Yes, because I think it adds again. They the film does an amazing job of of having you know their rivalry and know these two men have a past without needing to be of overt or um, like cram it full of ex, exposition. I mean, this film in general, its handling of exposition is is brilliant. I've got a, an example of that in a sec. But the, um, I think you do need that character because I think it just it makes it more personal. It makes the fight more personal for Indy, um, yeah. and it just gives him a, a foe. And it's kind of it's fun to have, you know. It's and again, it's kind of that. It's crazy how. Um, how modern it feels and how it becomes the archetype for other things because essentially you know there's a villain of the week in these in these movies it would appear uh and then there's him who's always there and is sort of a a consistent villain it's an incredibly serialized approach and I, i think that was one of the aims of the movie wasn't it to make it it feel like a serial and that notion of well this villain is always knocking about and it's personal with him i think is very clever Sorry, Belloc. However, you say uh, Belloc. How, how do you say his name? No, Belloc, no, but right? it, it being a serialized villain across the movies. Yeah, he's the he's the he's the one that's always nicking stuff. He comes back later, doesn't he? I thought. I mean, oh, his, no, he's face dead, obviously. He, his face melts off. He yeah, burns no, at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, good point. 
Yeah, no, yeah. that's a shame then. Forget everything I just said about it being serialized. I forgot and he died. Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, but, that's his history with Indiana Jones, but it's not It's not explored going forward because the character is yeah. very sadly burnt to a crisp by the Ark of the Covenant. But, <laughs> but if they had a kept him alive, it would have been a great example of what I was talking about. <laughs> Why did I think he was in future movies? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's so, because that is what you do in a modern context, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. Oh, that was hilarious. Because I was just like, like the reason I said you mean Bella. Like I'm, just, we talk about the same character now. Like now I'm actually confused. <laughs> no, no, I just oh, yeah forgot he got one. his face melted off. Yeah, um, well, the yeah, current, current, he he's the one that's on fire. It's the I think it's the Nazi guy that's face melts. I think his head explodes. Bellocks. Um, it's interesting with Belloc though, because I think Belloc is a weird exception to the rule. So they villainize Belloc in different ways, but he's also. There's a weird thing they've got going on with Bella, where he's sort of weirdly protecting Marion at various points in the movie from the sort of the Nazis, but at the same time he's aligned himself with the Nazis for selfish needs. So you're kind of like, yeah, this guy deserves to die. So he kind of they find a they find a way to sort of make you almost feel like, yeah, if he dies, like you know, it's his own damn fault. At yeah, this but that's but even though he's protecting her, like that relationship is really creepy. Like yeah. any film, and, and it's a real easy shorthand, isn't it, in a movie? To any time you have a male character make the female character wear a certain outfit, you're like, well, this guy's scum. Like it's right. it's a real simple shorthand to make you go bit of a twat. Right. Um, and it almost feels like he's doing he's doing what he's done all along, which is, oh, Indy's got feelings for her. Well, yeah, we need to talk about that at some point. But Indy's got feelings for her, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take her, and she's mine. Like you know. Yeah, and I think I think it's interesting because I don't think you need it. Like, Belloc is his greedy and conniving to the point where he's willing to literally work with Nazis to get what he wants. Like, I think him opening the Ark because of his insane, selfish desire to to see what's inside it, whatever, and that being the thing that gets him killed is, like, quite... Like, it feels quite justified. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, like, killing a character. It's not like Indy murders him in cold blood. He dies as a result of his own choices. He's villainous enough without the creepy stuff with Marion and deserving enough of his of his ultimate fate regardless of his weird creepy thing with Mariam. um so i'm kind of on the like the that scene probably doesn't need to be in the movie now a little tease about what we're gonna get to later it turns out that scene was partially improvised the dress thing because they wanted her to be in the dress for the snake scene but couldn't think of a way for her to practically get in it um right okay uh, <laughs> we'll come to it we'll come to it but yeah so i i think you don't need to do that i agree with you i think belloc is necessarily creepy but there's the point there's two scenes in the movie before, other than the dress scene which was where it gets really creepy where he um shows a bit of like heart you know a bit of compassion potentially because he knew her dad you know they're all in that archaeology world or whatever um where the nazis are going to torture her and he's like yeah don't do that um you know you could probably just let it go now, right? We, we, we're nearly there. We found the map room. We're nearly there, blah, blah, blah. Or then there's the point on the boat as well. Um, when. Wait, actually, who. Def- oh, no, no, no. It's the, That's the captain of the ship, isn't it? That's like defending her there. Like, 
lever with me. Yeah. So actually, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, my, my brain for some reason conflated those two. Yeah, Belloc doesn't do a whole lot to protect her following that scene where he tries to stop the Nazis from torturing her. Um, so ignore my second point because that wasn't a valid one. <laughs> I mean, this podcast is just full of... So far, it's been us debating when we both watched The Big Bang Theory and us making points and then going, oh, no, I'm talking utter bullshit there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, the, I mean, the I, I'm starting thing. to worry that's just all this podcast ever is, Chris. <laughs> yeah, people... Li- what, what's this, going, what's this, this guys, week nonsense? We, yeah. Guys, we know when you stopped watching The Big Bang Theory, you discuss it every week. Um <laughs> My the exposition thing. Um, how fucking clever is it? Where <clears throat> you have a scene where they have to give a load of exposition, and what they do is they implant this threat of the poisoned dates, and you just spend the whole scene yes. taking in what they're saying, but also thinking, is he about to get poisoned? What's going to happen with these poisoned dates? So clever. And this is what I mean. Every decision in this movie is is thought through. Yeah, 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 yeah. The dates is a great example. Like the 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 it, it's it's you know the scene is entertaining on the tension of the dates, mm. but they're also feeding you exposition during that time. You know, um, mm. yeah, really, really well done. And I think like as well, opening the movie on a just a Indy on an adventure just to set up who Indy is and what it is he does because you can't open with Professor Indy you can't because then you're just like who's this guy and you don't believe it when he switches to the hero in the you know the hat and the whip you need to see that first you really do um so starting on a little mini adventure like in the midst of one is, is is the smart structural choice anyway but to make that also the introduction of Belloc sets up their relationship throughout the movie so you're not just doing the establishing the character on a, just a random adventure that doesn't mean anything you're also doing work to build to what we're going to be going through for the rest of the movie um so s- smart choices like that like where you know they want to do something because for structural or logical reasons but then they find a way to make it work for the rest of the movie too um, I think I think many. You know what's funny? I think Men in Black did that quite a bit as well because I think we talked about that last week. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just really, really smart. And I think there are only one or two scenes that are proper sit-down exposition scenes in the whole movie, um, and they are both pretty. Sh- there's only a couple of them, I think, and they're but they're, they're all pretty short. Like I, there's the one in the when they when the when the, uh, gov- the American government agents come and talk to them about the arc to get them sort of set off on the mission. Well, that's right at the beginning of the movie. Um, and it's not yeah, going to affect the, pace because it can't. And it's, it's really there. clever. Like this movie gives you <clears throat> most of the information you need in the first like ten minutes. It's amazing structurally. Like yeah. it just it, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, and then it really is. You just sort of on the roller coaster then with its ups and downs. Um, yeah. Should we talk about some of the action in, in, in set pieces? Um, there's a point in this movie when the sort of the ball rolls to the edge of the hill far enough that it just gains momentum and just right down. And that is, I feel like you'll feel the same thing is around the point in which Indy sneaks onto the dig site and starts digging to get into the well of souls. Once they're in the well of souls, it goes from it's in the well of souls caught by the Nazis abandoned in the well of souls escape that fight around the plane car chase for the arc (laughs) 
and all these things just lead one into the other seamlessly and even describing that sounds like it would be exhausting but it absolutely isn't because each set piece is so unique from the other you're just moving on to a completely different situation the car chase is nothing like the escape from the, the the well of souls the well of souls is nothing like the fight that follows it around the plane and what a great and i talk about this too much in these podcasts but it comes up a lot in these kinds of movies but what a great movie to have all of the action scenes be goal orientated i know what they're trying to achieve in each action sequence and therefore fully again again, i'm so sick of saying this but it's true of a lot of movies we watch on this fully understand the stakes fully understand what they're trying to do and as they're moving around the scene without exchanging dialogue i understand what it is they're doing and why they're doing it you know and, and what the threats are and what the tension is like the, the the as the plane is spinning around once the petrol starts leaking out of it moving towards the things that are on fire you know that at some point there's going to be a timer put on this fight sequence where we're going to have the tension of that especially once marion gets stuck in the cockpit of the plane so it's just it's slowly visually setting up circumstances and then playing them out and and it's just all the action sequences in this movie, even the shootout in the bar in nepal in the earlier point of the movie really really great um and 10 points to the movie so, as well for not always making marion a complete damsel in distress she occasionally gets into trouble and he helps her but she helps him almost as often as he helps her so that's also quite good yeah she's she's a great character like she yells india a lot but you never feel she can't handle herself like right that scene where she reappears climbing and she just like uses the heel as like the the thing that's gonna like pull her up and like yeah it's yeah. it's brilliant. My, my favorite one is fantastic. when they're shooting in the bar and the uh, and, a, and a bullet hits a uh, a barrel that contains some sort of spirit and it's pouring out. Yes, and she just takes a swig before she goes out and starts fighting the yeah. guy. But what I thought was funny about that she was holding like a um, like a torch, like a stick with a, with fire on the end, and I really thought she was gonna do a homemade flamethrower. I thought she was gonna blow the spirit into the fire. Yeah, I did. I was convinced, and it was so yeah. much better when I realized that wasn't what she was doing. So I was just like, oh, she just needed a drink. Yeah, I did that. There were two moments where I was completely wrong. One, that moment where yeah. I was like, oh, she's about to do this. And the other, when they first opened the ark and they like touch it and it's sand, I genuinely went, has Indy swapped it out? <laughs> like right. he did, like he did with the sand at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Um, other than yeah. speaking of action, then because I got a very specific answer for this. Other than the opening with the ball and and all of yes. that sort of stuff and the and the traps, what's your favourite action scene? I think it might be the fight around the plane. Mm-hmm. I think it might be the fight around the plane. I just I just love everything about the sequence, and it's it's surprisingly long considering it's in the and Marion fighting like what three guys four guys it, just, it, it doesn't become a bigger thing until right towards the like the the truck of other dudes with guns don't show up until right at the end and it's just this scrap to get just you know into the plane out of the plane and, and away basically um i really enjoy that sequence i think um not to say the others aren't great because obviously the car chase is very iconic and i do love the car chase yeah the ca- the car chase is my favorite. Like, yeah. I just love how he just, you keep thinking he's going to be out and he just keeps, he keeps finding ways. Like mm-hmm. when he crawls under the car Brilliant. and then you see the other guy land in exactly the same place and just fall off. Yeah. Like, uh, the car scene in general. I mean, I the only bit of the car scene that I'm like, really? Is I don't buy that like 
Balak or whatever his name is and the, and the Nazi guy don't have guns in that car with them. I don't know why they're not shooting Indy when he's on the front of the car. And at first, when they're essentially saying, come closer, I thought they were saying, you know, let's get him in range and shoot him. So I didn't quite believe that they didn't have guns. But other than that, it just I seemed like an oversight. It just seemed odd. Like, and I was almost then looking out for them to have guns in a later scene. And I was going to be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Um, but I think the car chase is my favorite. It's like so, so in- inventive um, and so action hero. Um, but all of Indy's action is like very, like you take that scene, like he's in, I think some of the reasons, the some of the many reasons, the later Die Hard movies don't make sense is you're just like, I, how does this character know to do this? How are they strong enough to do this? Like, you look at that car chase scene. You look at what Indy does. It's very methodical. It's very, yeah. right, well, if I hold this, it will do this. If I use the whip in this way. Like, he's an action hero, but you don't ever disbelieve it because it makes all of his action is built in a logic and and the, you know, that and that first scene lays that out. That opening sequence where he's logically defeating the trap, the traps, sets the scene for... This yeah. is a man that can think. And in all of Indy's action sequences, he's thinking. Yeah. Um, and it just makes it, it just adds a, adds an element of enjoyment because you're not taken out of the moment like you are in a lot of modern day action films. Like, you know, I'd say I love the movies, but Fast and the Furious and things like Die Hard. The reasons you get taken out of those action movies is because you're like, well, I just don't buy that this is happening. But because yeah. Indy is such a such a thinker and what he does in those action scenes is embedded in that thought and we have seen that thought executed so clearly in the opening scene um it you you buy it and it does it never takes you out of the movie and i think there's something about the choices of what he does as well because the stuff indy does is dangerous but not impossible does that make sense Mm. that's the they, they they walk a very fine line with indy's behaviors is it dangerous to use a whip to swing across a chasm Yes, the whip could could uh, loosen, slip, you know, from where it's been whipped round at the top. You know, it's all it's just wrapped round that. It's not tied round that. Without the correct tension, theoretically, it could loosen and you could fall. Dangerous, mm. not impossible though. I'm pretty sure you could whip a whip round a round a beam and then swing across it. In fact, well, they I might don't have think I could, but I appreciate I appreciate your faith, Dan. Um, <laughs> by saying that I could, but I, I don't think I could personally. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure they, could, they might have covered that on, on Mythbusters. I might have to look that up later. Um, so, you know, and then, like, the car stuff. Uh, you know, you know what it is as well? It's it's this weird, cool guy action thing. The, I think the other thing that gives you trouble when you watch, like, a Fast and the Furious movie or, like, a Die Hard movie or whatever, not including the first Die Hard movie, which doesn't have this problem. The other issue is the hero in those movies will do the dangerous thing, take the bump, and be fine. Indy is visibly hurt after everything that he physically does. His shoulder hurts clearly in the car as he's driving it, after the thing where he goes under it. 
and they he oh no, there's a point when he gets clipped with a bullet maybe in the shoulder. Is that what maybe I'm mixing up? But yeah, he, you can see him holding his arm. Whereas McLean would be like, yeah, it's just a flesh wound or whatever. And Vin Diesel, the bullet would just bounce off him because he's Vin Diesel in a movie and his ego is too big to let him get shot. Um, it's it's the indie looks tired and injured and roughed up by the events of this because he's not Harrison Ford as an actor doesn't have so big an ego that he won't let his hero look like he's been through the mill <laughs> and that's also true I think of the first Die Hard movie you know yeah I think it's the same it's the same principle and they mm-hmm. do it in the same way yeah yeah it's, it's he's, about he's showing not, the hero he... not get out of everything completely like a robot like he's in- invincible yeah, but also John McClane in the way that Indy approaches everything as a as a thinker, John McClane approaches everything as a as a New York cop and right. that informs the the choices the characters Correct. make in the action sequences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um and yeah, and they're all really logically done. I I, I don't think anything in it anything in the action sequences is, is 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 like an impossible feat. So yeah, very smart choices, very well designed. Um I I I think there's really good tension to both the airplane spinning around battle and the, the, the car scene. I think both are good choices. To be honest, I don't think there's a bad action scene in the movie. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. No, I'd say that's fair. Um, so, how did we feel about... Let's, let's, let's do Indiana Jones and, and, and Marion. Let's, let's talk a little bit about this. For two yeah. reasons. There's two, there's two elements to this. On a practical story level, there is an element of why is she on this adventure with him. She sort of says, you need my medallion but i'm coming with you and you sort of think not really sure why you're coming <laughs> you have no interest in the I... arc but i guess you've got nothing better to do your bar just burnt down um uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's that question a... of the why she comes on the adventure is that just too throwaway um, and then the second obviously element is the ick factor of 10 years ago they might have had a relationship but 10 years ago she'd have probably been about 15 so uh, I mean, I mean, that's a that's a generous way of phrasing it. She literally says in the movie, "I was a child." Um, <laughs> like, there's no, you know. Yeah, but you could interpret that as being, "I was immature. I was still I'm yeah, too yeah, yeah. too young for a yeah. relationship." Is, is yeah. you you could you know, I work with some twenty somethings, and I'm like, "Ah, you're a child," you know, like compared, like you know, in, 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 you know, like as a joke. Obviously, I don't mean literally, like. I don't just walk around being like, you're a fetus. Get out of my face. <laughs> you don't have thoughts mm. here. But I mean, like, you know, jokingly, I've, you know, I've, I've used that phrase to sort of describe someone who's maybe a little less mature. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, the To tackle the first one, I, that didn't bother me because I think she's been... She, she got abandoned by him for adventure. She got seemingly abandoned. I can't remember whether he's died or not. But I think he's died, hasn't he? But she's, you know, fundamentally her father, she's stuck. She says, you know, I'm stuck in this place because of my, you know, my father. I've ended up, you know, mm-hmm. she, her life has been fucked over by the men in it going on adventures. And I think she's just, fuck it. No, I'm coming this time. I'm getting, I'm, I'm being a part of this, like sod it. Like you're not you're not doing this to me again. So I really didn't have any problem with her her going and and being there. Um, and like you say, also like the bar the, from a practical point of view, her bar presumably her home has been burnt down. She's just been attacked. Like yeah, fuck it. Um, uh, you know she's 
I think it's more the first one. Um, but I, yeah, so that didn't. I didn't come up against that. Did you? Did you personally come up against that? I did. I did struggle a little bit with the logic because it was just like you want my medallion. I'm coming with you. Like, why? Like, you have no investment in this. In this scenario if anything i if, if, yeah, i don't feel like any character would want more of what they've just experienced like the her home just got shot up and then burnt down and she was nearly murdered she, and tortured by nazis like i would want no also, part in that <laughs> whether she admits it or not she's also invested in him though you know your her right home now just yes been destroyed and the man she the man she loves is or the man she's the one that got away let's say the one that got away is about to go on an adventure. Like, you know, yeah, of course she's going with him instead of being like, oh, no, I'll I'll deal with the insurance paperwork on the bar. Like, right. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I think there's an element of you could one way, one, a more charitable way you could read her decision is actually it's just an excuse to spend more time with Indy because she still has feelings for him. And I think if you want to sort of fansplain it that way, because I don't think the movie ever explicitly states that, but it's, it is there in the subtext, I think, enough for someone to say that. I don't even think it's... it's Actually, I don't even think fansplaining is the right word because I think it is present in the subtext. So if that's the charitable reading of it, I think I'd go with that. I think that makes to a certain degree of sense. In terms of, in terms of the age stuff, right. Um, so yeah, a couple of problems here. In the original script, she was dubbed as being 25, which would have meant their relationship was when she was roughly 15 because she says it was 10 years ago. The actual actress, uh, Karen Allen, who plays Marion, um, was uh, 30. The recording of the... of the uh, No, 31, sorry. Um, during production. Um, is that right? So she was born in 51. The movie comes out in 81. Oh, actually, she'd have been 29. Sorry, she'd have been 29. So that means she would have been about 19 turning 20, quote-unquote, 10 years ago. Um, so I... <sighs> It's not great for for a potentially adult man to be dating a 19, 20 year old, but it's certainly better than the other implication. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Out of the two, I prefer it, but it's still like you say. Yeah, because he is ugh. he's about he's about eight or nine years older, so he would have been in his mid twenties, late twenties, and she would have been about nineteen, twenty. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, thankfully it's, it's, it's the not... script was changed last minute because there was literally a line of dialogue that put her age as 25 which when you combine oh, it God. when you combine it with Ugh. yeah uh, when you combine that with her saying it's 10 years I was a child the uh, yeah Indiana Jones suddenly needs me toing um, <laughs> I think <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm not to not to downplay the actual movement but like I'm very relieved we didn't have to meet to Harrison Nars behind Indiana Jones. Um, yeah, I think it's it, there's there's a lot. There was a fair, fair bit of stuff when I was researching this movie, and I don't know if any of it made it into the trivia. I can't remember, but there was a lot of stuff about George Lucas kind of saw Har- uh, Indiana Jones as a sort of James Bond figure, you know, just sort of sleeping with, you know, different women on all of his adventures all the time. You know, and the, the, he almost saw Marion as a sort of a Bond girl. Spielberg and Kasdan didn't see it that way and kind of thought he was more sort of married to the job, so to speak. Um, you know, more passionate about the, the archaeology, never find time for that. Um, mm. So the fact that, that, you know, his relation and almost the implication almost being 
the one of the reasons he didn't pursue a relationship with her then was maybe because she was a little young um you, you know com- combined with him being more interested in his job so i i think there's a more charitable way to read it but it does read as weird in the movie um yeah i think the age thing is a, is, is a potentially a, is potentially a slight problem you can sort of jedi mind trick your way around it if you want but it's if someone told me that was an issue for them in the movie i wouldn't disagree <laughs> that's fair yeah it's hard not to isn't it um mm. yeah i think and also it's just so unneeded right like they could ju- they could just have a history they could just he could have just left like we don't need it's not it's not it doesn't add anything but maybe you could you could make an argument for well it kind of sets up how she feels about him you know she's almost cared about him all her life and stuff but they don't explore that enough to justify it Right. So yeah, didn't didn't like that element. Uh, yeah, don't think anyone does, <laughs> especially because Indy was kind of like sort of trained in the job by her father. So it puts them in a yeah. It's it's yep. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I think that there are more signs though of the original intent of him being more of a James Bond character. Apparently, the scene when um his colleague from the the, the university comes and sees him. Um, he's like, I think, was he wearing like a robe or something? I can't remember what he's wearing, but apparently that was because they were, the original version of the scene as written was that he was, that he had ju- he just slept with a woman and he, like she was in the other room and that was like included and then they took it out. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what scene that was. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, yeah, when, when the guy visits him, yeah, yeah, when the guy visits him at his home, from his from the college, Indiana Jones is just wearing like a like a bathrobe, and again the original scene imp- implied that he left a woman in the room. Um, and then there's obviously that other weird moment, and I'll I'll never get over this because it's so bizarre when one of his students has written "love you" on her eyes and slowly That's blinks so at him. Weird. <laughs> I I really enjoyed thinking about the practicalities of that. So presumably, either she's really good with a mirror, or she had to turn to a friend and go, can you write love you on my eyelids? And I think most friends would go, no, it's weird. <laughs> I so also I enjoyed... thought about the practicalities of every time she blinked that day, telling the person who was looking at her that she loved her. <laughs> like she gets on the bus, she gets on the bus to college. She's like, not for you. <laughs> to everyone she looks nah, at. I don't, I... I don't think anyone blinks slow enough for that to be an issue. Um, I, you know, I think she has to very deliberately close yeah. her eyes to. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's a thing. But the, it's also again a good example of it's not necessary. All the girls staring at him with doughy eyes. <laughs> the male student at the end just being like, and giving him an apple. Like that scene's doing all the. Right. He's a stud in this world. People fancy him. We don't need love which you is, on eyelids. Also, like... I mean, he's Harrison Ford. Of course they do. He's not... Like, yeah. they might have dressed him in as a stuffy professor and put some big dorky specs on him. But he's Harrison Ford. Like, he's a handsome yeah. man. Like, I don't need to be sold that hard on the idea that people are attracted to Harrison Ford. No, it just that's doesn't a, need that is, the that is a good look. That is a good-looking man, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's odd. But but that doesn't that doesn't as much as I'm like the love you thing is not needed. It doesn't derail the movie or make you feel uncomfortable in quite the way the I was a child stuff does. 
No, agreed. 100% agreed. 100% agree. Um, yeah, so that's pretty fun. Um, in terms of like the, the adventure part, we sort of talked about Indy's character arc. Do we think Marion needs a character? She doesn't... She's kind of, she, to be fair, one criticism I think someone could levy at this is that the female character doesn't really have an independent arc of her own. Her arc is tied into uh, being there as an, almost like an object to show us Indy choosing a person over his job towards the end. You could argue. Mm. I don't know if I 100% even feel that myself, but that's what someone could argue. Do you think she would have benefited from having an arc of her own? in the movie she because it, it, she likes him she goes on the adventure with him i guess they're kind of potentially together at the end well at first she's sort of not forgiving him you know she slaps him and at the end she take care takes care of him and mm-hmm. and decides that he does care about her but uh, the problem with that arc is it's still in intrinsically linked to the to the hero main character man yeah. male main character so it's still not really even the arc you can say she goes on isn't really uh you know it still isn't good enough um it, uh, you know maybe you could have lent into the father stuff maybe you could have lent into the her uh, making the decision to go on the adventure stuff i don't know but yeah i think you could you you could do more with her but at least she's not the damsel in distress at least she can hold her own you know, for the time, what they do do is still a win. Yeah. Oh, do you know, it's just occurred to me. They do also do something else with her, which is a death fake out we haven't talked about. So for those who don't remember, I'll very mm. quickly I'll very quickly recap. There's a sequence um, in Cairo where um, they're found and chased um, and she ends up hiding in like a basket and the guys get it. And there's this quite comedic chase sequence where... Um, you know they're in these like sort of alleyways it's almost like a scooby-doo thing where they're you see them in the background carrying her and indy can hear her saying indeed he's like which way do i go like there's a bunch of stuff like that um and it but it ends with this like absolutely insane choice because i don't know what it does for the character arc or for the plot of the movie where they do a death fake out where they put the basket in a truck and then a sequence of events happens during an, like a fight an action sequence that leads to the truck exploding and then it's just like, oh, Marion's dead, I guess. And I, I don't look. I can't speak for audiences in 1981 who sat down and watched this movie for the first time. But I can tell you for an absolute fact, there is absolutely no way I've ever watched this movie and been convinced she's dead. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like they play it so straight, though. Like they really want you to believe they've committed to this idea that she's dead. Like. They've really played up like he's sad drinking with a monkey. We'll talk about the monkey in a minute. But, like, you know, like it, they really want you to buy it. But I guess is that just... I mean, what what's the purpose of the death fake out? Why couldn't she have just been kidnapped? I guess is my point. Um, I guess to some degree, uh, Indy learns how he feels about her slightly in that moment. Like, he's so downbeat after. And he's got that great, you know, um, where the... Um, the Belev guy, whatever his name is, Bullock, um, Belloc. is talking about like Belloc is talking about um, 
speaking to God and he's like, well, let's meet him together. I've got nothing better to do. Like, maybe <laughs> you could that argue that... So much. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. it's such a, such a great delivery. So, so mm-hmm. well acted between the two of them. So much tension, like yeah, the guns and, from everyone else in the cafe. Like and, it's brilliant. And the, the conclusion and, and, as well with the kids coming in to protect him because no one's going to shoot the kids. That's great too. Yeah, it's really that's lovely. So, like uh, you know, we do see him affected by her death. So maybe there's some character growth stuff for him in there. Maybe. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I just think from. Yeah, I just don't think it adds a huge amount to what his plot is, and I don't think it. To his arc, sorry. But it also doesn't add much to the plot, like, to the narrative. Like, it's... Because... It, well, I guess... It, it allows us to have a moment of peace. Because if he knows they've kidnapped her, then I guess you're forced to make him go after her. And then you're kind of completing his arc early. Because he's choosing her over the arc. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout, too. Unless they do the thing... Unless they... See, yeah, this would... I don't want to rewrite a classic obviously but i think one's potential solution to that would have been he knows she's kidnapped and they go but indy they got her and he's like yeah well we can get her back when we're getting the ark and he carries on and it's we re-established him because they do kind of do that when he gets when he finally finds her again at the sweet moment where she thinks he's rescuing her and he's like yeah no i can't do that yet i need to, <laughs> if i take you they're going to be looking for us i need to go find the ark and then i guess i'll come back for you which is a stupid risky thing to do um and is a real dick move. And I, does does he think he ever atones for that? Do they ever really discuss that? They they mention it right later on. They, uh, I don't know if they do, but it, the trouble is, it's a dick move. But you absolutely understand, and I think she understands the logic. Like it is the smart thing to do for not just in the mission, but their safety. If mm. she, if he frees her in that moment, they are all over them, looking for him, looking for her again. Uh, and potentially, you know, it's it's potentially going to be very deadly. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I th- that was I thought that was a real dick move, but I guess that's the point. Is like he's not quite ready to put her over the arc yet because if he'd got her out there and then and just gone, like gone, gone, they that's no more or less dangerous than trying to escape with the arc. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because he's presumably he's going to have to escape with her at some point. <laughs> But it's like, I'm going to leave you in the hands of the Nazis for just a little longer so I can go find the Ark. You know, they might torture you in that time. Don't worry about it. You know, it's pretty shitty. You'll be fine. Yeah, a little bit of light torture. We've all had a bit of light torture at the hands of the Nazi party. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, brutal. Um, yeah, I, I just saw my note. It says finding the tomb using the map um, correctly is cool. Leaving Marion, so not to raise suspicion, not cool. <laughs> That's my route. Um, um, let's talk about, and apparently, because I, I listened to, a, or read, I can't remember, um, and I assume it's in your triv, and I'm not to, I'm not to I don't mean to uh, still triv from you, Dan. Go for um, it. But and often and often I I think sometimes what we do is when we do triv when we do triv we have to try not to do this as well. Sometimes when we do triv in the bulk of the episode, you then also read that triv at the end. 
like if we just do it twice like so we'll have to try not to do that so uh, um, that happens every now i don't think that happens as often as you think there have been a lot of times i've slipped into the episode and then deleted it but what happens is it's when i forget uh, to hit delete then i'll read it and be like oh yeah we've already yeah. done this one and i'll like yeah i'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, skip yeah, back over fair. it but which yeah. is, which or is sometimes fair. there's a subsequent piece of triv so like we talk about the first half of the trip, and then there's something else at the bottom. So I'll recap the first one and then do the second one. That sometimes happens uh, because yeah, sometimes yeah. the trip is linked. But yes, yeah, yeah, that does definitely all, happen sometimes. All, all fair, all fair. Um, so one of the coolest scenes in the movie that people might not know was actually mm-hmm. partly uh, not was not originally scripted. Yes. Um, so one of the coolest scenes in the movie and one of the funniest scenes in the movie is uh, when the guy is setting up to have a big like knife battle and a big a big full on battle in the streets with Indy, uh, and Indy just decides to shoot him instead. <laughs> just like that really cool moment where he's really gearing up for it and he's like playing with his swords and Inji just shoots him uh and it's uh it's a fantastic scene it's very very funny um but what i'd i'd heard on some youtube clip or in the wikipedia i can't remember where is that uh actually everyone had um food poisoning um and everyone was getting really ill so Harrison Ford was like, "Shall I just shoot him <laughs> to like right. sort of get get through the day a bit quicker?" Uh, yes. And Spielberg loved it, and so that's what they did. And just it's one of the most, I assume, one of the most iconic moments in the movie. And it ca- it came because everyone had the runs <laughs> or everyone yeah. had food poisoning. Uh, um, yeah, and, and this is another example of where it might have come back for a second reason because everyone having the runs is actually a very funny bit of thing trivia specifically for this movie because the only person who didn't was Spielberg because he'd brought his own food tinned beans <laughs> and various things he'd come with That's a supply brilliant. so Spielberg was the only one not ill um, but yes the famous fight scene indeed uh, was not didn't play out how it did in the original script the, the, what I've got here is Ford was supposed to use his whip to swip the sword out of the attacker's hands. And they did try oh, it that cool. way a couple of times, but basically everyone was too sick and no one could perform the stunt. So after a couple of unsuccessful I... tries, that's when Ford suggested, and this is in quote marks, shooting the sucker, which Spielberg thought was great and they went with. What, um, what I like about that though, and what I didn't what I didn't know, is that the original plan, the beat and the joke is still fundamentally the same. Yes. Which is it looks like it's gearing up for another big battle street fight and Indy just does something quickly that gets it done with like effortless ease so I do like that it is at least still the it's still the same beat that they still had that it seems that way yeah it seems that way but what I think is best about that scene is the choice to have him just immediately turn his back to the guy it's one thing for him to just shoot the guy and shrug which would be fun but it's the the way they shot it Spielberg's so good at this stuff he because he's not just communicating yeah He's dealt with him quickly. He's not going to faff around with a big sword fight because he's, you know, he's no time for that. What he also does is he doesn't even care enough to make sure the guy is dead. Like, he shoots the guy Mm. and then instantly turns his back on him, which is the coolest fucking choice. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah, for sure. That that scene is absolutely iconic, for sure. 100%. yeah, love it. Um, so yeah, that, I mean that is that that whole that is that whole sequence in Cairo, which we haven't really talked about too much. The you know the chase through the streets. We talked about that it ends with the explosion, and we talked about that. I guess there are several beats throughout that where there, there there's some really cool action stuff and 
fighting around the streets of Cairo. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's not one of the best action sequences in the movie, which is why I guess we haven't discussed it too much. But it is it is very good, and that swordman scene is obviously deeply iconic. Um, so one, I had a question for you, Chris, because I was curious about this. The movie. I don't think makes it immediately clear that it is a period piece. Because obviously, the movie starts, Indy's out in the jungle. And from that, you can't tell whether it's a period piece or not. You don't, that, that literally could have been set any time. And it would just be, you know, they're out in the jungle, so they're obviously, they've not got laptops and phones, because none of that shit's working out there anyway, right? So you just, you know, that could be set, whatever. That could be the 80s. Could be fucking now. That whole sequence. Um, until you get to the plane, I guess. The plane feels old. But then you could go like, oh, it's like an old biplane that like he's hired for cheap because that guy, you know, like, it's, it's it, that could be, you know, the plane choice might just be because it's the cheapest option of a flight out of there for him. You know, so, you know, there's an element of that too. Um, but then when they cut to... The like stateside and Indy's prof, prof Indy, stick some nerd glasses on Harrison Ford and hope it makes him less handsome. Um, they don't really do anything to like be like. This is the time period. This is where you are. I mean, you see the cars, I guess. Yeah. But they don't like. They don't like focus on them. The movie never has a, a moment, moment of. This is the time you're in. This is the period. Yeah, because in... no, go on. Sorry, go on. Until he was like, I had it in my hands. I thought it was. I thought we jumped ahead in time. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is like what a few years later. Like, and especially because you know they do such a, they deliberately change his appearance so much. Yes. I was like, oh, we jumped ahead a few years, and only when he was like, I had it in my hands. I was like, oh no, you were just on what your summer break. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that, and then he, and then he that was yes, off again that was yesterday. <laughs> Like, and then he immediately like he's not a good professor like if we're honest um yeah maybe i assume it's not a, per- uh, a permanent thing he's guest lecturing but yeah uh yeah i agree um I, but i suppose you know it's one of those things where the movie is just it's it's showing the it, it's putting faith in the intelligence of the viewer we've seen we've seen an old style plane and then within 10 minutes they're talking about the threat of Hitler. Do you know what I mean? I think they're just right. going, people will get it. People will work it out from that. Right. Yeah, I guess so. It's one of those things where, I mean, I think, because I think, because I think Crystal Skull is 60s. And I think they go for the whole greaser thing. Um, you know, that whole gag. So that's way more like, Look at the time period, whereas this doesn't really draw attention to it, other than the fact that obviously there's a threat of Nazis. Um, uh, so I, I, yeah, just I, I can't decide if I think that's like should they have done something just to really like you know solidify the time period really quickly, or is it fine that they just kind of went a bit subtle with it and were like it's a period piece, you'll suss it out. I don't know which I prefer because sometimes I do think like yeah, it's probably better just to establish it quickly in a movie like this so we're not wondering because it's not distract so I'm not distracted from the actual scene that's happening by wondering what time period is set in. I'm just aware of that. But uh, also there is something to be said I think for just letting the audience suss it out. Um there's enough breadcrumbs that if you don't know then I, you know at a certain point <laughs> probably not paying enough attention. Um so I don't you yeah. know I oh, I, I don't sure. think anyone comes out of the movie not understanding it's a period piece but I was very surprised with the way they just sort of slowly let that become clear rather than having a moment where 
the date is written somewhere or someone says something really clear like immediately or is the date definitely not written at the beginning the location is in the in the first you know in the in the opening sequence is it i've got it up here let me see see. so i don't get oh yeah we haven't talked about alfred molina's yeah it is south south america 1936 oh really it's 44 in yeah uh, then everything we just talked about once again. <laughs> what is going on today? Because that's I—I I remembered it because when I was thinking about how I thought it jumped ahead, I do remember thinking we've not had another title card, so we must not have jumped ahead then. And then when he says I had it in my hands, but yeah, no, it, it absolutely comes up. South America, nineteen thirty-six. Um, so the last thing we were talking about, Chris, was definitely not that. I'm going to cut that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, Alfred, Alfred leaders. I love this. this movie, yeah. This is great. Yeah. First role in a feature film, um, playing these sort of seemingly nice and naive, but ultimately treacherous, um, stealer of idol, um, dies in a very brutal way. <laughs> Um, you get quite attached to that character very quickly. It's such a shame when it doesn't work out. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I think he's, you, he's very good you, in this movie, considering that it's like he's one of his first roles. Do you not think you get attached a little bit more though, because you know it's Alfred Molina? <laughs> Maybe, but when he's like, you know, like he's, I, I tell you what it is. I think I get person, I, I get a little attached because I'm sort of going, well, indie sort of cares about this guy enough to protect him he's a bit bumbling but he seems mostly good natured but it's like because he keeps nearly stepping into traps and indy keeps being the one to save him i don't know you just sort of become a bit weirdly protective of him i think (laughs) Uh, i'm not i think that would still be to to some degree true regardless of who's playing the character but yeah you're right it's 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 um I, I'm trying to it's find this title card, by the way. Where does the title card show up? I was I was just flicking through to look at it because I was trying to figure out because I because I know that the movie opens with like n- you know the the names and places. Uh, two, oh, there two it is. minutes forty four. Yeah, I just found it as as I asked. It just came up. Ah, oh, that is so funny. It's fucking huge too. It's not even like. <laughs> no. I was really hoping it would be tiny letters, and I could say that's why I missed it. <laughs> no, I think sometimes Dan. Look, Dan, you watched you watched a season more of Big Bang Theory than you originally thought, and the title card's pretty big. <laughs> okay, I think you you're gonna have an easier day if you just accept these facts. <laughs> oh man, dear lord, dear uh, lord. Right, um. Yeah, okay, well... When... This isn't relevant to this movie, but when is Short Round in the franchise? Um, The next one? Okay, just because obviously there's been so much talk um, because of everything everywhere all at once. Like, I'm just I'm just itching to see... Gotcha. To see him. Yeah, yeah he, he won. Um, he, he, yeah, it's the next one. It's, it's Temple. It's Temple of Doom. Cool, cool, cool. Um... um yeah. So, yeah, I don't, mind, what I don't else think you I got? have you any got... further notes. Uh, let me see. Oh, we didn't talk about this, but I, I really like the clever idea of he burns the hand on the medallion. So he has the writing from the medallion, which is how they... I mean, they end up with the wrong place because they don't have the whole thing. But I still think that's pretty clever. Um, 
Yeah, that that moment where because I I I I saw that coming. Uh, whether it was muscle memory from the fact that I'd seen the film, I don't know. But that moment where he holds up his hand and it's on his hand and he says how like that that is yeah. a genuinely creepy moment. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's really good. Like that moment. The only other thing, the other moment that we've, we've that's in the movie that we haven't really talked about in any detail, um, but it is so related to the the indie Marion relationship. But just to clarify, I really like the scene where he ends up falling asleep instead of getting the girl. I think it really does actually set him quite apart from the sort of 007 style hero of the day. Um, and I just thought that was really sweet and very well done, that scene. Yeah. And I think they've got a lot of chemistry on screen in that sequence. Yeah, I think they've got a lot of chemistry in the whole movie. Yeah, no, they're great mm-hmm. together. Yep, would agree. Um, so, she come back, I assume? Do I want to... Do you want to know the answer to that? Huh? Do you want to know the answer to that? Or you, do you want to be... Yeah, okay, no, you're right. I'll just watch the next movie. Fair point. If I choose it. <laughs> oh, no. Play that game we play every time. <laughs> oh, no. Chris, I need a... I need... I need... I need, I need the, the trilogy. <laughs> we do a trilogy every year. <laughs> um, what was your... What was the other scene that's iconic that you said? Um, what was the other scene? I think that was it. I think that was it. I had two notes, but one of them was about... Um, wait. Can I make it come back up? Can I re- retrieve my, my note? Um. Oh, no, it was just a note about the opening and how it was like a sort of mini-adventure romp on its own and it would work as a short film and, it, you know, ah, the content right. of that the content of that opening scene has inspired a thousand things since. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, right. We'd already talked about that, so I skipped over it in the end. Um, should we do Triv then, Chris? Let's trim it up! I'm going to give you some trivia. So, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff for this film. Um, I cut so much. There's still a lot here, though, so let me get through this as quick as it is possible to do for the poor listeners who are both interested but also probably tired, as I am. Um, traditionally, uh, when one of his films is about to open, George Lucas goes on a vacation because he doesn't... You know, he doesn't want to deal with all the press and the hoopla and the, you know, the the, the, the the speculation of box office numbers. He just wants to get out away from that. So he does. And one particular film, a small film that George Lucas was involved in called A New Hope, um, Star Wars, episode four. You ever heard of it, Chris? I have. I have indeed. Okay. Um, it was just about I think you I think you'll find at the time when it came out, Dan, it was just called Star Wars. Bazinga. Um, <laughs> that was very good. Uh, <laughs> and um, so when when that was about to open, Lucas went to Hawaii because he was just trying to get away from it. And he was actually joined there by Steven Spielberg. And once the grosses for Star Wars came in and it was clear it was going to be a hit, he completely relaxed and felt a lot more at ease to discuss other topics with his, with his, with his good buddy Spielberg. And at that point... Um, Spielberg confessed he'd always wanted to direct something like a James Bond film, and Lucas replied he had a he thought he had a better idea, and he pitched something he'd thought of previously, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The conversation happened while the two were making a sandcastle, reportedly, um, and after the trip, then they got together to help uh, develop a script alongside Lawrence Kasdan, who would then obviously go on to work with Lucas on 
Empire Strikes Back also. Um, and apparently, I don't know if this is in here, uh, but I read that Kasdan... Lucas was trying to get Kasdan to write American Graffiti 2, and Spielberg advised Kasdan... <laughs> Spielberg secretly advised Kasdan not to do it. <laughs> and he ended up writing Empire Strikes Back instead. Probably wise. Spielberg's a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, despite having the dream team of Lucas and Spielberg behind the film and the success of Star Wars, it actually became a real challenge to get this movie made for some reason. Um, it only took it took a huge amount of persuasion to get it produced. And Lucas made it um, with quite a odd deal. Like, So the studio financed the film's entire 18 million budget. In exchange, Lucas would own 40% of the film and collect half the profits after the studio grossed a certain amount. It turned out to be a very lucrative deal for, for Lucas. Um, Paramount executive Michael Eisner said he felt the script for this was the best he had ever read. So in the end, it was the power of the script that actually got it made um, because just as a premise um, and being sold by two of the, the biggest directors at the time, they really struggled to get this made. That's nuts, isn't it? Mm. That is quite nuts. Um, would you like to hear some alternate casting situ- situations? Give it to me. So I've got the list here. I'm going to quickly read the list, and then there's just one or two that I have some additional info on. Actors considered for the role of Indiana Jones included Takes a Breath, Sam Elliott, Jeff Bridges, Paul Lamatt, Christopher Guest, uh, Bruce Boxlitner, I don't know who that is, uh, Barry Bostwick, Sam Elliott, uh, Mark Hammond. Oh, Sam Elliott's name is in here twice, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> Nick Van Cusco, uh, Peter Chioti. John Calvin, Michael ben, uh, Michael Bean, um, Sam Shepard, David Hasselhoff, and Tom Selleck. Now, a couple of those names I'm just not familiar with at all. Presumably very successful actors of the 80s um, on, and late 70s. Now, there is a long-standing myth that Jeff Bridges was offered the role and turned it down. But this is actually not true. It turns out... Um, he was considered in the very early stages, but it was he would he, he would it doesn't seem that he was ever offered the role. Um, there's even speculation he didn't even end up auditioning for it. So I'm not interested in seeing any of those seriously. The only one that I would see no. in a fucking okay is David Hasselhoff, obviously. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. agreed. Um, Sam Neill would actually go on to play a character with an iconic cat in a Spielberg directed movie, uh, Jurassic Park, 1993. So he did get to work with Spielberg there you in, go. in the end. Um, so Ford, Harrison Ford, was always Spielberg's number one choice for the role. The problem was Lucas was resisting because he had noted how his other colleague and friend Martin Scorsese had earned a reputation for casting De Niro in most of his movies. He didn't want Ford to be known as what he called my Lucas Bobby. <laughs> um, I get that. If you cast... Because obviously Harrison Ford had been in Star Wars. Harrison Ford had been in American Graffiti. If he worked with Harrison again, even from a producing perspective, it just would start to seem like he was putting him in everything. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second choice, Spielberg's second choice, was Selleck. And Spielberg was was happy enough, it seemed, for a time to go with that. But the problem was, Selleck couldn't take the role either because it turned out his contract for Magnum P.I. required him to be sort of ready for shooting for the third series, second series. Um, so he couldn't do it. But the irony being that he was in Hawaii 
waiting to shoot Magnum PI while they were finishing shooting Raiders, which means, physically speaking, Serlik was in fact free to do it in the end. Wow, God. <laughs> um, but because of the way that the, the Magnum PI production had gone on, he was not available like contractually to, to do it, even if it turned out they didn't need him until after Raiders finished shooting. Um, so technically he could have done it. Um, now, just to rub salt in the wound, the writers of Magnum P.I. did an episode about eight years, seven years later, called Magnum P.I. and the Legend of the Lost Art, which parodied Raiders of the Lost <laughs> Art, and they gave him a hat, a whip, and bobby traps. Um, bobby traps? Oh, that's God, I'm dying. phenomenal. Traps. Sorry. I'm looking um, up an image of that. Um, needless to say, if Selleck had played the role of the character, he would have had the mustache because he needed that to play Magnum P.I. So he wouldn't have been able to shave it off. Um, so that would have given quite a uh, uh, a, a different a different vibe. Oh, that's brilliant. Great, Fair right? Play. Yeah. Um, so because of all this faff with Tom Selleck, because, you know, Lucas didn't want Ford. Second choice was Selleck. Selleck couldn't do it. By the time they actually just decided to just go with Ford anyway, um, they were less than three weeks before principal photography was going to begin. So Harrison Ford was a very late addition to the movie. <laughs> three wow. weeks before before production is quite shocking. Um, so, yeah. I wonder how Harrison... People say that Harrison Ford is grumpy, but he, you know, no one's getting cast three weeks before and thinking they're the first choice. <laughs> so fair play to him right. for being like, nah, do it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and I think it. Pro- I mean, it probably helped that he probably knew that the, the reasons for him not wanting to be cast were were, were sensible. Like, I do know why George Lucas was resisting it, uh, but he was clearly Spielberg's first choice from pretty early on. It seems so. You know, he must have had some comfort in knowing that he, that was the, the situation. I, I assume they talked to him about it, but yeah, I 100 percent agree with you. Three weeks before the movie production, he just sort of got on with it. Like, yeah, fucking hero and we'll hear more about why harrison ford is an absolute badass and a hero later on um so in terms of the casting for marion they kind of set it up in a way where depending on who got it selick or ford they would cast a different person as marion because okay they thought um sean young who'd screen tested with tom selick had a lot of chemistry with him but not so much with ford um Whereas Karen Allen, who didn't actually, it te- seems it doesn't seem she de- ended up testing with. No, she must have tested with based on this trivia. She must have tested with Harrison Ford, but she also tested with someone called Tim Matheson and John Shea. But um, basically, the the casting kind of went between those two. Um, based on who was going to get Indy, which makes sense. And ironically, Sean Young ended up being in a movie with Harrison Ford later on, anyway. Blade Runner, but. Other names considered in the early sort of discussion for that character, uh, Jane Seymour, Barbara Hershey, um, Lisa Eilbacher, Mary Steenberg, who I love, and that would have, I I do like her very much, I would have liked to see that, Amy Irving, Dee Wallace, Valerie, um, I don't know how to pronounce this surname, Burton, oh, Bertinelli, okay, I can pronounce that in turns out, Uh, Linda Pearl, um, Patty, oh god, DeBranville, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Deborah Winger. These are all people that were considered for Marion. Um, many names, again, of the era that I'm just not that familiar with, but I'm sure to some listeners, they're like, oh, that person. Um, I, I kind of a little bit taken with the idea of Mary Steenburgen. Um, obviously, 
Yeah, I think that would have been good. Back to the Future love interest sort of, you know. Uh, yeah, I think I, she's she's very charming. I think I'd have believed her in that role. I don't think, I don't think I'd prefer her over who we got. But if we're doing alternate casting, that's the one I'd be most interested in seeing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so, Indy, there's a couple of moments in this that were sort of improvised on the spot. We already talked about the swords, but Indy's line to Marion where they're on the ship, and he says, it's not the years, honey, it's the mileage, was apparently entirely ad-libbed by Harrison Ford, and it's one of my favourite lines oh, wow. of the movie. <laughs> God, that makes me, that genuinely makes me go, maybe Harrison Ford should write something. <laughs> like, yeah. He's great. a genius. The guy's a genius. Um, yeah, 100%. Speaking of, um, he did most of the stunt work himself, including the scene in which he got dragged behind the truck. He sustained several bruised ribs from the stunt and later said, if the stunt was dangerous, we wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Fucking lunatic. Um, speak, sp- speaking of Harrison Ford being an absolute badass and just not caring about injury, um, the out-of-control airplane did actually run Harrison Ford's knee over and tore a ligament in his left leg. Jesus, that man is always getting injured for these movies. It's crazy, right? Um, Lucky for him, the heat had turned the rubber tyre soft so it didn't crush the bone, because that would have been much, much worse. Um, But rather than submit to Tunisian healthcare, um, I'm not sure what the writer of this is implying. Is the the healthcare poor in Tunisia? It's a strange way to phrase it, but I'm going to read it out as it's written. Um, Ford just had his knee wrapped in ice and carried on. Oh, God madness that is crazy i kind of love harrison ford <laughs> just a little bit oh yeah you gotta you gotta love harrison ford the man's yeah. the man's incredible yeah um freeze framing during the well of soul scene you'd actually notice a golden pillar with a tiny engraving of r2d2 and c3po from star wars um yeah. they're also they're also visible on the wall behind indy when they first approach the ark that's fab didn't know that that's brilliant yeah that's good stuff um, oh yeah, we will. I will skip that one. We've already talked about that one. Um, when filming the snake scene um, inside the Well of Souls, they used seven thousand snakes, and you know numbers, blah blah blah. One hundred sixty pairs of glasses. Daniel Radcliffe movie. I'm I'm tired of it myself now. At this point, it may stop soon because I'm now starting to bore of it. Finally, I was, uh, was going to say, if you're tired of it, Dan, I've got the perfect answer for that. You could stop. <laughs> I could stop and then just wait until to surprise you with it again in like six months when I've remembered again. <laughs> just lull you into a false sense of security. Um, so amongst the 7,000 snakes, the, the the only ones that were venomous were the cobras. Um, thankfully, no cobra any, ever bit anyone on set, but I cannot say that's true of the pythons. First assistant director David Tomlin's hand was bitten very heavily by a python it would not let go he calmly apparently asked someone to grab the python that was still attached to his hand by the tail and sort of shake it um so or whip it so that the snap would send a wave up the snake's body and force it to let go a stage hand did just that and the python released its bite from tomlin's hand um he did get medical attention and the python reportedly was not injured during this well fair play mm. uh, speaking of animals uh alfred molina's first credited screen role we talked about that um his first day of filming involved being covered in tarantulas i'd love that 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 was his first day (laughs) yeah but he must have been so excited do you know what i mean that was just like he was being directed by spielberg like i guess the dream isn't it mate i 
I think I'd have just... I, I, I don't like spiders. I'm like Indy with snakes. Indy doesn't like snakes. I don't like spiders. I don't want to join. Really? You wouldn't, get cover- you wouldn't get covered in spiders to be in a movie directed by Steven Spielberg? I'd really have to think about that. Oh, wow. Fair play. Yeah, yeah. Not a big fan of spiders. Um, although they always say, like, you know, sort of like, was it aversion therapy or whatever? You, you, they, 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 you know, if you're scared of heights, they take you up somewhere high. Yeah. And they make you, you make you unscared of it by making you face the fear. So I guess maybe I'd think of it, trying to frame it as a opportunity to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most things don't bother me. Spiders. Not a fan. Fair play. Yeah, not fussed by rats, snakes. When I see those trials on um, I'm a Celebrity, where they're covered in, like, you know, rats and snakes and cockroaches, I'm just like, eh, you know, don't love cockroaches, but I could, pr- I could probably do most of that. I'd, I'd struggle with the yeah. spiders. I feel that way. And the only thing the only thing I don't like about those challenges and the only thing I'd be like freaked out by is the notion of one of those bugs getting in my ear. I wouldn't like that. Oh yeah, that sounds unpleasant. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah, 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 you're right. Um anyway, uh Monkey raising its paw and saying in his own language, Heil Hitler, was thought up by George Lucas and what and is one of Steven Spielberg's two favourite scenes um in a video box set. We've not talked about We've not talked about the monkey. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll finish this trip. We'll just talk about the monkey in general because I'm fascinated by the monkey and its choice in this movie. Um, the other, the other scene that, that Spielberg's favorite from this movie is the "Where doesn't it hurt?" sort of scene in the ship, which I, I, I love. He said, uh, you know, he's he's talked about that multiple times. In Empire Magazine, Frank Marshall said that the way they got the monkey to do the Nazi salute was by putting a grape on a fishing pole and getting the monkey to reach for the grape that was dangling just out of reach of the camera. It took 50 takes before it looked like a Nazi salute. Um, the, the monkey was voiced by Frank Welker, who provi- provided all of its sort of chattering sounds and noises, uh, including the sort of version of Zeke Heil that the, 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 the monkey sort of chirps out when it raises its paw. Now, first, very first thing about, about note about the monkey is you might have thought the monkey sounded familiar to you, Chris, because I certainly did. And it's because Frank Welker provided the voice of the monkey in Aladdin, Apu. Um, oh, Abu. well. Abu, not Apu. Apu is the Simpsons. Abu is the monkey from Aladdin. Um, so Abu's voice comes from the same gentleman voice artist frank welker um and i did when i was watching this i was like he sounds just like and i like started wondering did they reuse some of these sounds in aladdin like what happened here and then i just found out it was the same guy which makes a lot of sense um it does uh yeah let's talk about the monkey the monkey that's sort of betraying them but then dies it's very strange i was gonna say whose whose side is this monkey on like that that took up a lot of my thought process for the movie because he seems to genuinely have affection for her. He seems to genuinely be um, comforting Indy, but then he is also doing, you know, Nazi salutes. Like, yeah, what's going on with that, this There's monkey? that guy with the eye patch that seems to be his true master, so, so to speak, that he's, like, communicating yeah. with. Very odd. I, I have no answers I, for you, Chris. I find the monkey stuff no. really bizarre. Yeah. It's odd, but I love it. I love its amb- I love its ambig- ambiguity. Like to be honest, I think it's uh, it's very entertaining. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I just I just think the monkey's just that good of an actor that, you know, I I think I if I'm fans if I'm guessing what I think is going on here, I think this is an evil monkey. I think this is a I think this is a Hitler monkey. This is a Nazi monkey, and it's just very good at pretending like it cares and wants to be on their side. I understand right. why you might yeah. want to believe that the monkey's on their side. 
Because wouldn't we all? I do, I do well, want to, but I think I no, I'd settle for the same conclusion as you ultimately. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the, that's what we have to infer from the from the from the text. But yes, I do. I do enjoy the monkey. I do enjoy the monkey very much. Um, although the Nazis speak German in several scenes, uh, because the actors spoke very bad German with strong American accents and didn't really bother to do that, they had to redub all of those lines in Germany, where audiences would definitely notice that. <laughs> so all the German lines were redubbed for the German versions of the film. Um, some lines were actually apparently just flat out wrong, like the translations were just like gibberish. So um, on recent DVD releases, um, they've, they've corrected all of that as well. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, Perfect. the majority of German lines seem to be spoken by native German speakers uh, with slight South German accents. I assume that also means for the UK releases now, and like the you know the, the, the other releases in English-speaking countries. So yeah, they've they've adjusted it over time and sorted it out. No oh, fair play. That's mm. the right thing to do, I think. Yes. Um, this is another one of those things where we kind of touched on this, but I'll give you the full details. Uh, the scene where Marion puts on her dress and attempts to leave Belloc's tent was improvised as was the um, entire plane fight, which is my one of my favorite action scenes, if not my favorite in the whole movie, so that's fun. Um, the script called for Marion to shed her conservative Egyptian garb and don a revealing dress, ick to whoever wrote those words, um, to heighten the tension when they're fending off the snakes. I guess they thought if she was like not th- thoroughly clothed, more skinned for the snakes to bite, maybe... They thought that might... It's, yeah, I assume it so, feels, yeah. It feels flimsy. It's still, it's still a, yeah, it's still uncomfortable, but yeah, I think yeah. that is the logic of the, of right. the movie. Uh, but the script apparently didn't actually have a scene that explained how she ended up in such a dress. So in order to get her in the dress, Karen Allen and Paul Freeman, um, who play uh, Belloc and uh, uh, Marion, um, improvised the scene where she hides a knife with the older clothes um, you know that she tries to take off and seduce Belloc and escape and that, that whole scene was apparently completely added and it gave the character a plausible reason to be in the dress so the scene that we were like eh wasn't even in the script it doesn't sound like and it was added just to give an excuse for why she's in the dress um, they thought it would be a good idea as well to call back to the drinking scene that introduced her character at the beginning of the movie which I do agree is a nice moment yeah I think that's fair mm-hmm uh, the sinister Gestapo agent, whose name is written Taunt, but is apparently just pronounced Todd, uh, <laughs> which is quite I find quite funny. Um, his uh, sort of visual appearance, notably the hairline and glasses and the circular frames, deliberately based on Heinrich Himmler, uh, the head of the SS Nazi uh, organization in Germany and one of the regime's most infam- infamous criminals for his central role in the Holocaust. Um Odd to invoke the specific look of a of a of an exact individual, but um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, the models used for the German U-boat were actually rented from the production company that were was making Das Boot in 1981 in the same area at the same time. The company, however, had forgotten to tell the crew of Das Boot that they'd rented their boat out to a different production, and they were surprised to find the model suddenly missing. And I imagine at least one person shat themselves. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On both sets, people were shaking themselves at all times. Um, apparently, the last line added to the script was Dietrich's I am uncomfortable with this Jewish ritual. Because after reading the script, the screenwriters realized that there was no mention 
of um, the Jewish people or the Nazis' hatred of them. Did it need that? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it necessarily did. But... I think I, I think from context, I understand Nazis bad and their whole ideology. I don't think I need the movie to. But sure, fine. You know, what? I'm not going to question that. So, the arc. So when Indy asks the two U.S. officials if they've ever been to Sunday school, um, it seems like he didn't go to Sunday school or pay much attention in class if he did, because he got a lot of the arc law wrong. <laughs> um, so oh, did he? Yeah. So the arc. I mean, I say him, the script, but like through through you know process, Indy's the one who exposits this information. So the character of Indiana Jones is wrong, but the reality is that the, the screenwriters either changed deliberately because it didn't fit what they wanted to do with the movie, or um just flat out didn't know the the reality of the of the arc. The arc doesn't contain the pieces of the stone. Um, it contains the second set that were carved after Moses broke the first set. Um, it's also supposed to contain a bowl of manna and a flowering staff. I'm not even really sure what that is, but there it is. Um, it had been carried into battle around the walls of Jericho, um, which fall when trumpets are blown. Uh, but there is nothing in the Bible about it leveling mountains or shooting death rays. <laughs> um, oddly enough, Indy doesn't tell them about the two most important uh, precautions one must take when dealing with the, the Ark. Um, you're not supposed to touch it, according to Samuel 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 6, line 7, or whatever it is. And you're not supposed to look into it, which is a few lines later in that same uh, Bible chapter. Though, he does apparently remember the last, you know, rule in the climax of the movie, because then he suddenly tells Marion not to look at it. Um, mm. So he doesn't mention it at the beginning, but it does explain why throughout the movie they lift it with sticks and it's inside of another box and, you know, you're not really supposed to interact with it. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the reason for these uh, prohibitions on interacting with the Ark, uh, because the Ark symbolizes the presence of God serving as his throne or footstool um, happily, the Ark in the movie appears to, does appear, appear to be a replica. Um, wait, wait, sorry. I've, I've lost where I'm reading on this. Um, oh, does it, it does appear to be an accurate replica of drawings that have of it, as do the priestly robes that Belloc dons. I did find Belloc's robes weird. Uh, I don't. I don't think I had too much of an opinion on the robes, to be honest. But, yeah. Well, it's like if, if he's a if he's like a he's a he's a historian or whatever, an archaeologist looking to find this dig. I don't. I find it. I find it strange that he's like, you know, doing a ritual related to it. Because it, cause I think you you you, you characterise someone. It, it, it seems like greed to him. Like to me, I guess it's not greed, is it? Because he always talks about like it's preserving history and that there's not much between him and Indiana Jones and stuff. So I guess. Still. Which is a really powerful moment. I really did like that moment and and Indy's Indy's moment there where he just he doesn't shoot it and all that stuff. I thought was very was very well executed. Yeah, I think that's one of the best scenes of the movie. And also, we didn't talk about this. The movie doesn't really end on an action sequence, like at all. The end of the movie is Indy in a standoff with Belloc, which we're going to come talk about in a second for another reason because I'm sure you spotted it, Chris. Um, but we'll come back to that. Um, and then the arc melts everyone's faces, which is an incredible effect, by the way. We'll talk about how that was done in a minute as well. Um, yeah, there's no action scene. It's, it's 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 a character moment that ends this movie, and a character choice. Yeah, That's it is. But stuff. it is 
it is visually the arc releasing all the light and melting everyone and all the fire right. and whilst it's not a chase it i mean it is an action sequence in a way isn't it it's a set piece for sure yeah it's, it's definitely a visual spectacle for, yeah 100 percent. Uh, but it's not like uh you know some sort of like fight between the good guy and the bad guy over a thing it's like you know, it's it's just the bad guys getting their comeuppance, I guess. Uh, the melting of Todd's head was done by exposing gelatine and uh, a gelatine and plaster model of the actor's head to a heat lamp um, under a cranked camera, and then speeding up the footage. Um, Dietrich's crushed head was a hollow model um, from which the air was withdrawn. Um, uh, yeah, uh, apparently they had to. The reason they cover it in fire was because um, they originally got a really heavy rating. They got like a the, like an R. I don't think the PG-13 existed yet. I think it was just PG or R. And they got like the high rating. They got the, you know, they got the, 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 the one that would have really restricted who could see the movie. And instead they put fire, a fire effect over the exploding head to get the rating lowered, which is pretty fun. Um, so this is my favorite thing about this movie. You're about. I, I I I assumed you would have noticed, but maybe you didn't, Chris. But during the scene, when Indiana Jones is threatening the Nazis with uh, what looks like a rocket launcher, um, it's written here as a Panzerfaust, but yeah, whatever that is. Paul Freeman, who plays Belloc, is a very is a very committed man to his role because a fly crawls over his face mm. and seemingly into his mouth, and it never comes out. Yeah, it's intense. It's 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 uh it's a difficult moment to watch. It's gross. <laughs> and he does not flinch, he doesn't move, which is an incredible, you know, uh, testament to the band's acting. But yeah. apparently, contrary to popular belief, he did not swallow the fly. Freeman explained in an interview a few years later that fl- the fly flew off at about the instant he uttered the word bad. But Spielberg had found the whole thing quite funny and decided it would be even funnier to cut out just a couple of frames so it would look like the fly doesn't go away. Like, yeah, it, de- deliber- I mean, it definitely it definitely looks like he's eating it, don't you, when you see it? And I've just rewatched it now and it absolutely yeah. looks like that. The editing is uh, horrific. <laughs> so to, by removing the shots of the fly zipping away... Spielberg has successfully created the image that a fly just crawls into Belloc's mouth and never comes out. (laughs) Um, He found the edit highly amusing. Um, An Empire magazine chose the scene as one of its most common scenes for people to press the pause button now on on their VCRs. It's probably true. Fair play. Trying to figure out where that fly goes. Turns out you'll never never see it because Spielberg snipped it. (laughs) Genius. So, um, last bit of trouble before we move on to Cars Exist. Um, just want to talk about the budget very briefly. It was 1981's biggest grossing film, but by quite a wide margin. Um, it had a, especially in terms of profit, this movie was not expensive to make. 18 million is actually a very modest budget, even for the time. Um, and uh, it made 389 million. So that is wow. good all return on investment. Mm. Yeah, so Perfect. successful to say the least. Obviously, span off multiple sequels, in which one of them is out this year. So, um, yeah, big big old franchise. Um, cars exist, Chris. <laughs> Just very quickly, uh, I had a weird moment of like it's clearly early in the morning, or I'm half asleep this morning when I went to the Internet Movie Car Database and had this exact thought: Huh, 
They used a lot of Mercedes cars in this in this movie, didn't they? Oh, they must have had a sponsorship or something. And then it took me about, I don't know, a beat too long to remember this is a movie <laughs> for German characters. <laughs> of course, they used the Mercedes Benz. Like, it took me way too long to realize that's why they chose to make them all drive Mercedes. Um, anyway, um, the truck that the Ark is stored in is a Mercedes Benz LG 3000. Let's uh, say truck. Yeah the, the, yeah, the vehicle with the big, big thing in the back, they can slide it in. I guess the word is truck. Um, and of course, the car that the Belloc and uh, Todd follow in is a Mercedes Benz 320. Uh, Lang replica W142, and then um, since um, since someone decided to put this in the internet movie trivia very quickly, boots exist. Uh, the boots Harrison Ford wears are a model 405 work boot made by the Allen Shoe Company of Middlesbrough, Massachusetts. They still make them and advertise and sell them to this day as indie boots. Yeah, you know how much of a knob I am, Dan? When you said boots exist, I thought you were talking about a car boot and I made a little noise as if a car boot was being shut. (laughs) I went... (laughs) I did wonder what that noise was. It makes way more sense now. I know you misunderstood. That's great. That makes my day. Yes, please. More of that. Um, So there you go, Chris. We did it. There we go. Do you want to know where we're going next, Dan? Well, I do want to know where we're going next because I, I, you, 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 you put the, you know, we should be doing Temple of Doom. Yeah, we are. We are doing Temple. Okay, of, of course we're doing Temple of Doom. Uh, you could really have been a dick there, and I couldn't have stopped you. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, I'm excited to do that. I think, um, hopefully, I'll be slightly more awake for that one. Uh, I do apologize if I was, especially at the start of this podcast. I feel like I sort of found my mind as we went along but i do i'm worried i was a little rambly and incoherent towards the beginning and i was struggling to find the words i I needed um but yeah um temple of doom next good 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 choice great movie and it'll be a little quicker maybe because we won't really have to do history because you've never seen it and my history with temple of doom is identical to my history with this one yeah yeah, yeah, and I assume some of the trivia, like you know, is also done in. Uh, you know, we've often found this with trilogies. The first lot of trivia is often a lot longer than the the resulting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually we can we can test that theory right now. I'm on the page. Uh, yeah, there's about half the trivia on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. So, so this one had about three to four hundred pieces of trivia that I I sifted through. Um, next week's one has a hundred and fifty two. Yeah, exactly. So we're good. Great. Where where can the people find us, Daniel? Oh, in so many places, Chris. Well, if you've got thoughts that you want to share ah. with us, you can go to uh, the YouTube channel, find the video that is of this. It's not a video video. You can't see us. It's just a video version of this podcast. That's that image related. You can go underneath and comment down there if you have any thoughts on why uh, the points in which we both chose to stop watching Big Bang Theory. Uh, did we figure out yours? I don't think we did, did we? Uh, I think it mine's difficult because I I think I actively stopped watching by the looks of it around season six, season seven. But I know that I then did later, like years later, I think when the show was ending, I did put it on as background watching on Netflix. And accord, uh, by the looks of that got to about season nine, but then did stop. And I think it got to the show as a whole got to what season 14 or something. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, actively week to week, season six, haven't seen beyond season nine. Gotcha. Um, there you go. Mystery solved. So if you have thoughts on that, you can go to the YouTube channel and put the comment underneath. You can also email us, mail at nothingbutstatic.co.uk. You can get us on Patreon, patreon.com slash nothingbutstatic.uk. If you wish to support the show, you can do it for as little as $1 a month or more if you're feeling like generous. But we always say, um, well, I, I, we always steal the phrase that they use on the Weekly Planet, which is give whatever, if it was to fall out of your pocket, you literally wouldn't even notice. Like, if you wouldn't miss it, then that's a, that's that's helpful and lovely if you wish to support what we do here. Um, other ways you can do it that aren't financial, if you would miss as little as a dollar a month, um, you can support us in other ways. You can keep listening, you can tell a friend, you can um, like and review on the various podcast platforms of your, cho- of your choice. Um, they usually have a review platform of some sort. Uh, and I always say, if you leave a like a written review on like iTunes or whatever, tell us what your rewind reviews are. Like, tell us movies uh, movies that you watched as a kid that you've either come back to recently or are scared to because you're worried they kind of suck now. Um, yeah, great. And of course, for those of you who have chosen to support, uh, to support us on Patreon, there are benefits to that. Special podcasts um, such as Nothing But Lyrics, which I don't know if it'll be up by now, um, but there's uh, uh, we're we're soon not probably not we we talked about maybe doing it today i'm not sure that'll happen now but uh, we're soon to record a third one i'm gonna tease chris now that a song so inexplicable in its lyrics that the studio the studio publishing it panicked and re-recorded it with completely different lyrics before they put it out and then went with the originals because they were catchier even if they made no sense <laughs> so there are two recordings with two sets of lyrics for this song um oh, wow. Um, and which are we analysing? The what came out, or well, I no, we'll 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 analyse the yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll analyse what came out because those are the lyrics that make no sense at all. But I will briefly go over the 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 sensible lyrics, the ones that actually make sense. But that wasn't what was released. Funnily enough, what they ended up right. releasing was the gibberish ones because they were slightly catchier. <laughs> okay cool <laughs> so i'm very excited to talk about that so yeah so it's nothing but lyrics is like a little bonus podcast we do on our patreon that's only accessible if you're supporting what we do um we keep threatening to do the second episode of nothing but claps as well but also you get episodes of this a week early so if you'd like to hear us talk about temple of doom right now you can go over to patreon uh, unless you're already listening to this on patreon in which case you're already a cool guy <laughs> thanks dude <laughs> Um, I think that's everything. Did I do everything? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, you said everything. Yeah. So in that case, I've I've been Chris Billingham. I've been Dan Boone. And this review has been rewound. Really